Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Tuesdays are back. And so are the wise guys, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. Welcome in. We invite the world to join us tonight. The chat, the live stream is open. And uh, say hello to us. Tell us where you're from. This is the number one BYU sports live stream talk show in the entire world. And I'm already people just chiming in. And it's the Utah contingent right off the bat, of course. So with John <laughs> Where's Crowder, our offense? We're uh, going to get to We always that. like to recognize who's first, and John Crowder comes in first from Harriman, of course, and then BYU Sports Addict every week from Farmington. Never miss. And Ruthie5358, of course, she's asking, uh, what a game on Saturday. Where was our offense? We'll talk about that. Amber we'll from New York, that. Jeff from Los Gatos, California. Hey, Amber in New York City. I love that, Amber, that you're here. You've been here consistently from New York City, too. My home away from home. So Vegas is in the house. Fantastic. Los Gatos, California. Jeff Cole in the house and Vegas in the house. We welcome all of you in with us and uh, remind you to, to follow us at ysguys.com. Wiseguys.com. Subscribe to get your weekly email. Uh, with highlights from the show, it's free. We encourage you to check out our library of interviews, ranging from Danny Ainge to Marie Osmond to Kyle Van Noy to Sherry Dew, and on and on and on, including Steve Young and Vice Sikahema last week, yeah. which was a phenomenal show. They're all waiting for you at wiseguys.com. And Hello, St. George. Make sure you follow us on YouTube. How, we're about to hit a milestone on YouTube. How do we need? So we need 19 more to get to 2,000. Yeah, subscribers. And you don't, you know, we have lots of folks that are listening and downloading podcasts, but we need you to subscribe. Right? Yeah, so go so to th- YouTube. So especially those of you that are, that are listening and downloading the podcast and doing all that, go subscribe at YouTube because that helps us a lot. So it's free. Wise Guys there at YouTube, and uh, we want to hit to 2,000 tonight. That would be cool as we cruise along here. We are talking earlier, this might be, I think, our 67th show of the wise guys and uh, phenomenal guests. And you mentioned a moment ago, Steve Young and Vi from last week. If you missed it or you want to hear it again, it's sitting there for you all the time at wiseguys.com. That was awesome that we started with Steve when about, I don't know, over an hour with Steve, Vi jumped in toward the end and then we continued on with Vi and they, then they interviewed each other and it made for podcast gold. Yeah. It was so fun to have those two together and to just get those two who are, to the greatest ever at their position, um, but also to the greatest humans we know, uh, to just reminisce. And it was so fun. For, we just sat in and reminisced with them. Yeah, it was it, awesome. it was great. And you all were in here reminiscing with us. It was great. Here's what we got on tonight's show, which is awesome. There's so many things going on, including a late development uh, uh, with a poll released this afternoon. BYU Women's Soccer ranked number one for the first time in program history after they knock off number one UCLA for the first time in program history and UVU. We'll talk about that a bit later. Jen Rockwood, we send a shout out. She's been on the show a number of times. Number one team in the country. I want to reflect back to all the way at the beginning when we first started the show and Jen came on with us and we said... Everybody tells us you're Big 12 ready. Are you Big 12 ready? And she said, not only do we expect to compete for a Big 12 championship, we expect to be in the national conversation and compete for national championships every year. And so she's that's right. our bar. Well, Alan, guess what? They, it doesn't, the bar doesn't get any higher than number one in the country. They beat number one UCLA uh, just this fantastic. last week, three to one. Just phenomenal. And then, 
And then uh, BYU beats Sam Houston in their opener in the Big 12 era at home, 14-0. to zero. Um, But that win left folks going, hmm. Yeah. What's up? We're here to answer like, your questions. Like right right off the bat, was it Amber that said what's going on with the offense? A I can't remember folks. who it was, but number of folks going what's going on with the offense. We'll get into that a little bit. We're Southwest talk about that. Missouri, welcome to the show. Good to have you here. We're going to hear from Kalani Sataki in just a couple of moments. We'll get his take on that 14-point performance and turn our attention to Southern Utah on Saturday. David Nixon, our friend, our colleague, BYU TV football analyst, is going to join us in just a bit. Talk about what the Cougars need to get done between now and game day to get better. And then the BYU men's basketball team got a big recruiting boost that we're going to talk about. You know how we talked about they just need another guy with some length. They just don't have enough long guys to play in that league. Well, they just got a long guy. Yeah, this is big. Yeah, so a great Great reach. We'll, we'll, just tease, we'll just tease that he's 6'8". That's all we're going to tease right now. Beaumont, Texas is in. Tucson's in with us tonight. Hey, Neil Jones got the feast box down in Tucson. How hey, about that? Did you get the, uh, what'd you get? I, I, I highly recommend the wings. I love yeah. those. So and the and the baked beans were good. Was the bread it the was pulled, good. Was it pulled pork? What was it that I had over here? We had brisket. I don't. And did we have pulled pork? We might have had some. Henderson, Nevada. Good to have you here tonight. Well, glad to have. Get, glad to have yeah. the east side of Las Vegas represented. So Neil, right? let us know what you ordered. Yeah. Um, in the feast box, which yeah. is the new big sponsor for BYU sports. Let's dive into that football game. Sure. It's on everybody's mind. If you have a question for us and we haven't answered it, just ask us. That's what this live stream is all about. The Cougars win 14 to nothing in front of 59,000 fans, 17th largest opening weekend crowd in all of college football. And the first day of school at BYU wasn't until today. So even before the rock was there, the rock was there. And it was fun atmosphere once the fireworks went going. And we had a lot of expectation for a lot of things. And let's start with the defense where the most changes in the offseason with the entire defensive staff except for Gennaro Guilford and Jay Hill promised a new attitude, a new approach. And the team went out and got their first shutout in nine years. Yeah, I, I thought that the defense was better than expected because – not just because we knew that there were some some guys over there that could run and play and hit and all that, but sometimes when you install a whole brand new defense, it takes a little bit of time to get the execution level up. But I haven't seen the grades yet. My expectation is is that that the grades for this defense overall are going to be really high, and yeah. so so that was the thing I was most impressed with. First shutout in nine years. Remember, only five teams posted shutouts on opening weekend. That's BYU, Oklahoma. Syracuse, Kansas State, and Georgia Southern. So a lot of teams played so-called inferior opponents in, yeah. in week one, but only five teams in the entire country pitched a shutout. So that that's a big, big deal. I was impressed on third downs, uh, and we're going to get right to the offense, Jeff, in just a second. Uh, I was impressed on third downs, which was a troubled down last year, especially in the big games. They couldn't get off the field. But this group against against Sam Houston, but it's an opponent trying to move the ball, and they were just 2 of 14 on third downs. That's a winning combination right there. Right, and they, and they only allowed 3.2 yards per play. They forced 10 punts in this game. M- maybe most impressive, because I feel like this is one of the great predictors in college football for wins or losses. They were plus three in turnover margin. They had three picks yeah. in that first game. And how about the fact that it was two two by Jacob Robinson, who plays corner, and then one by Eddie Heckard, who plays corner or nickel. A lot of your interceptions come from safeties in the back end on things overthrown. When your corners are getting picks, 
You know those guys are ballers, and I was so, so very impressed with those two corners in this first game. And uh, and they, you know, BYU ends up plus three in turnover margin. If, if BYU's plus three in turnover margin every game this year, they'll win 10 games. You just win games when you're plus three in turnover margin. And this is a game that the offense didn't play particularly well, and they still won because it was a shutout and because the defense forced three turnovers and the offense took care of the ball. Those 10 punts were nice that they forced. Yes. We didn't love seeing nine from BYU's side. Um, and we're going to ask David Nixon coming up here in a few minutes about the linebacker play, which was outstanding. Yes. With Bywater and Thule back healthy and uh, on the field combining for 18 tackles. Uh, A.J. Vong Pichang, the newcomer, uh, kind of a quiet night, but as a whole, uh, Sam Houston couldn't do anything. And that's yeah. how you shut a team out for four quarters. Yeah, BYU did, BYU did a great job of uh, just hold, holding people down. And, and the leading rusher for Sam Houston, John Gentry, averaged 2.4 yards a carrier. And their second leading rusher, who was their quarterback last year, was their quarterback in this game, 2.2 yards per carry. So when you hold the top two rushing threats, the 2.4 and 2.2, um, you're doing something defending the run. And, yeah. And – when you hold a team to 185 yards of total offense, you you can you're going to win a lot of games doing that. And this offense is going to come around. It wasn't very productive in this game, but man, I was really impressed with that defense. Let's talk about the offense and get to a number of uh, questions. Raymond just subscribed. Thanks, Raymond. Uh, and his most disappointing Raymond's right on there, and he's in with a comment. Most disappointing thing about the game was the offensive line play i'm going to the kansas game what color should i wear i think it's i think it's royal i think you always wear royal on the, on the road, road don't do they you? always wear royal on the road i don't, I don't know, know you they... know what as we get close to that week byu usually announces if there's anything unique that they're going to do like last week they striped the stadium yeah. with sections um white and blue which looked really cool and i thought byu not only did the defense execute but i thought the fans executed execute. well, looks right? sharp looks sharp all right raymond we'll get to it in just a second uh let's run through some of the numbers Keaton Slovis was 20 of 33, didn't throw any interceptions, 145 yards. He had two touchdown runs. Coming into the game, he'd never had a touchdown run in his career, and he ran both in, one from the six, and the other he was kind of pushed in from the from the goal line. And one thing that was lost in, in, in all of it was he exceeded uh, 10,000 yards for his career in passing, most of those coming from USC and Pittsburgh. But he got 145 from BYU, and now he's up over 10,000. That's a lot. And he was the first to tell us after the game he wasn't too happy. Yeah. The, some, you know, the in the press conference, they asked him to evaluate his performance, and he said, I'm not that great because um, he just expects more. And if you look, his, his completion percentage was fine, right? Um, he didn't throw any picks. That's a big deal. He had the two rushing touchdowns, just the first two of his career. That was yeah. great. But he knows that they weren't explosive enough in the pass game. Uh, his, his average yards per pass just wasn't enough. They need to be able to push the ball up the field. They need to get explosive plays. You have to have a number of run plays that are 15 yards plus, few of those every game. And you need some pass plays that are 20 yards plus, yeah. big chunk plays to excite the offense, to, to the flip crowd. the field, to get the, the crowd excited, and to score points, right? And they just couldn't do it. The longest play from scrimmage was a 21-yard run by LJ um, in the in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. And that's that, that's not that's not what you want. And so I think Keaton's thinking, I need to go back and look at the film. We need to see what routes we were running, where I was looking, what reads I was making, and figure out a way to push the ball up the field a little bit more. And they they also have got to figure out 
how to get more production on first down. They weren't bad in the fourth quarter, but at that point they were just running the clock out. But yeah, you got you got to get ahead of the chains. Aaron Roderick on uh, Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV on Monday talked about. Um, and I, and I, and I think we're all feeling it. I think everyone in Cougar Nation was feeling it. It's like, what, why didn't we even try anything? Where was, where was, especially in the second half, it was just a giant scoop of vanilla ice cream. And he said, you know, they were so bugged that they were so inefficient in doing anything. I think he was mad at the line. He's mad at the receivers. He's mad at, at a whole lot of things that he just said, you know what, at one point in the third quarter, it became our job to win the game. So, we weren't, we, he said he, he knew the defense wasn't going to give up any points. So they just ran the ball and took care of the football. And that's why LJ Martin had 16 carries. Uh, if Robbins had 16 carries or Smith had 16 carries that had a lot more yards than they had. But the, the freshman comes in and sets a BYU freshman record for a debut with 16 carries for 91 yards. Um, and he got it back to back to back to back in that second half. And I was interested because it was almost like everyone was mad. And they said, that's it. We're going back to practice. Let's get this game over with yep. and make sure we don't lose it. Well, and there, there's a couple of things that really cost them offensively. We talk about that lack of first down production. So so they they get behind the chains. They did try to throw a couple of vertical routes, so just streaks, just guys running straight down the field, and they weren't able to hook up. And I attributed that a little bit to the fact that you don't have Keanu Hill, who's probably your best deep threat on the team, big guy that can go get yeah. it. And, and Cody Epps, who turns quick throws into big plays, was also not playing in that game. And it seems like in practice, when we were watching deep balls being thrown, it was it, it always seemed to be Keanu Hill or Chase Roberts on the other side. And Chase had a couple of nice catches in this game. But I would expect both of those guys to be back this week. And maybe that chemistry comes back with them. Well, if you think Isaac Rex just had two catches. So basically no Hill, no Epps, and so little Rex. Yes. And those are your three big weapons. And so, yeah, it's kind of everyone left scratching their head. And they're still scratching their head here on Tuesday going, what did we just see? Uh, you, can, you can learn a lot because it's the first time they've played um, against a real team with a real defense. A team that's noted for very good defense. Team bringing 16 red shirts back off of the red shirt year that were starters the years year before, you know, and that's a team that the two previous years had gone 22 and one and won a national championship in the FCS. So, a team that hangs their hat on defense. So everybody knew they were going to be pretty good, but they're not that good yeah. to shut BYU down. And so BYU's got to do a better job. And then in the run game on first on first down, it seems like they're running a lot of uh, outside stretch and some you know stuff where the, the running backs are going lateral. And the offensive line had some miscommunications and had some free players come through. The running backs probably didn't put their foot in the ground and time it out well to get up the field. When L.J. Martin came in uh, at the end of the game, <coughs> excuse me, he, sure. he did a really good job. Of, of, and they called plays for him to run more downhill. And it seemed like that offensive line was a little more comfortable running the inside zone or running a counter or a power where they could play a little more downhill um, and, and use their physicality. And maybe maybe Sam Houston was a little tired, too. Yeah, that well, that's going to happen, like should happen with Southern Utah, yeah. even though they play at elevation higher than BYU. BYU should be the bigger, more physical team. So first down production has got to get better. Um, they got to get more chunk plays. And then the penalties, they just seem to come in inopportune times. 
they finally would get ahead of the chains and have a third and three, convert on third and three, and they'd have a penalty, and they'd bring yeah. it back. And then it was third and long. And they had that happen a number of times. Uh, BYU ends up with eight penalties for 66 yards in that game. But it seemed more like the timing than the number. Yeah, it took them out of drives. Right. Drive-killing drive penalties. After Slovis went down in five plays, scored a touchdown, they get the ball back. They drove inside the 30-yard line and then a 15-yard penalty. Mm-hmm. Next possession, same thing, driving down a 15-yard penalty. And now, uh, without without really anything going on offense suddenly third and 18 is is uh, something that a short pass was thrown on which was a kind of a head scratcher this is the whole night was like well defense was great what what is going on and now let's get to Raymond's question about the offensive line coming in the offensive line is we still it's eight nine guys deep there's a lot of NFL talent on that front group we expected as did everybody that line to just pound Poor Sam Houston. But Sam Houston had some stout guys up front, especially in the nose, which gave the guy uh, named Meatball. Miley a His lot of trouble. Meatball. Yeah, when you're going up against the Meatball. But the the struggles, as I observed, and we'll get your opinion, and Raymond certainly has his because we we're all watching it, the inability to uh, dominate that line of scrimmage frustrated Robbins and Smith early on in the run game. And then when Slovis did drop back to try some deep balls, he got nailed right after he released the ball, and and we did not expect to see that. Right. So and how do you fix that? It, it's it's really good for offensive linemen now to have a chance to go back and watch film, especially when they're running that the if they're running outside zone stretch. Remember, they don't. That's not a play where they start go straight downhill and just go attack the defense. They start running slightly downhill at an angle toward the to the sideline right and the idea is that you take that defense and you stretch them out and create seams and then your running backs cut through those seams there are multiple times in this game whereas they're stretching that out there's a little bit of mis- miscommunication and all of a sudden they get they get somebody that comes through a, a gap that should not have been created or somebody gets a little too wide you can go back and watch film on that and you can really shore that up and I think we might have been spoiled a little bit, Dave. When you have Tyler Algier playing running back, a guy that just rushed for 1,000 yards in the National Football League, that's the elite of the elite. We get a little bit spoiled. Those holes didn't have to be that big for Tyler Algier. He put his foot in the ground and just go break tackles and make big plays. This line uh, last night seemed to me that they were more comfortable when they said, hey, you guys double right here on the nose and combo to the backer and let's go downhill and play downhill and just be physical and come off the ball and fire off the ball rather than let's let's stretch them out. And sometimes in that first game, your offensive coordinator learns about what type of offensive line he has. Like, okay, you know, we thought they'd be good at everything. They're clearly better at this than they are at that. I need to call a little bit more of this. We need to be better with communication at that. I, I expect you're going to see that offensive line take a big jump forward because they have talent. Yeah, They're big, they're athletic, they're physical. Um, they just need to be in the right spots and use the right technique and understand uh, you know, how to communicate with one another. I think they'd be angry. I would think they'd oh, come yeah. out angry. They're going to come out with something to prove this Because they, they see the film. They actually see more film than we see where it goes, hey, Kingsley, you were in the wrong spot here, here, and here, and that's got to... And it's up to Kingsley to go fix it. He's a projected first-round NFL right. lineman, and that's on him. And and there were some mistakes on this guy, and this, and they and they break it down individually. And so I would think they would just be all bugged heading out. And that's a good sign for what we would expect to be an attack style on offense on Saturday. Yeah, and here's the thing: 
it, it's there were some really good plays that that like if you just watched after further review, which just was on at five o'clock right before we started in, we highlighted a play toward the end of the show. In fact, the longest play from scrimmage, that twenty-one yard yeah. run um, by L.J. Martin. Um, the offensive line did a phenomenal job on that play. They combo blocked on the nose and knocked him off the ball. Then, then the guard slid down and picked up the linebacker and sealed him off. You know, the wide receiver blocking downfield. Kingsley did a great seal block outside. So there's some really good learning teaching moments from things they did well. And there's a lot of good teaching moments from things they didn't do well. The key is, is this a, is this a coachable group? Do they get better? Um, and then they've got one more week to get a lot better because yeah. Southern Utah is going to be similar in talent to, to Sam Houston, right? And they went down and held their own. They played really well against Arizona State. So I, yeah. I would say similar in talent to Sam Houston. In fact, Southern Utah beat Sam Houston at the end of last season. Yeah. Right? 17 so, to 7. So, so very similar in talent, right? So. We should see BYU marketably improved, and we can we can compare scores on those two. They're very they're very similar, right? Um, but then the next week they're not similar, right? Because Arkansas is better at every single position on the defense compared to those two teams. So so BYU's got one more week to get a lot better. So I'm interested in watching it. I'm, I, as soon as that as soon as we walked out of the stadium. On Saturday night, I was like, I am looking forward to next Saturday afternoon because the offense that we saw is not BYU's offense, and I'm eager to see it. I'm eager yeah. to see Slovis slinging it around, as is everybody else. I'm eager to see that big offensive line protecting him and opening holes for our six foot three, two hundred thirty five pound yeah. running back. Yeah, and and I think they're capable, but they have got to knuckle down and they got to learn from what they didn't do well. And they've got, you know, again, they need to learn from what they did well. They need to go, okay. And I think Aaron learns from that too. And he goes, you know what? We're pretty good at this. Like when we ran this type of play, these guys executed it well. I need to figure out how to do some different formations to give a different look and run that same play. And let, let's, let's adapt this offense to what we're really, really good at. So, Hey, I didn't even know people could see my bare feet. So Joel Harris from up, Hey Joel from up in Kaysville, go darts. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, my yeah. I must have, I must have been putting them up, but there they are. Hey, that's the beauty of this show. We can <laughs> I can wear my Fenway Park T-shirt. I have shorts on. Let's just be glad he's got my, a shirt on. My tonight. favorite footwear is none at all. That's my favorite footwear. <laughs> We're gonna hear from Kalani in just a minute. Uh, one area that did shine, uh, another area because the defense was certainly on par with special teams. Ryan Rico had nine punts. 52.3 yard average his long was 65 he set a school record with seven punts over 50 yards the co-big 12 special teams player of the week so the first possible honor for BYU as a big 12 team after week one we got a cougar in there and that's uh, Ryan Rico and he was also uh, assisted by Marcus McKenzie who flew downfield made some electrifying tackles that's going to be interesting whenever BYU punts just know that Rico's going to bomb it, and then just watch McKenzie to see how fast he gets downfield as the gunner to take out the run turner. Yeah, Dave Nixon earlier today on, on our AFR show said, yeah, Marcus better get ready because after that performance, he's going to get double teamed uh, <laughs> as the gunner out there. And and the, gunner are the, the gunners are the two outside guys that you put on the outside on your punt, and you just free release them, and you just tell them, you run full speed down and make a play, and you don't tell them, hey, you have containment, you've got to break down. You tell those guys, no, you run as fast as you can get down there and go try to contact that guy, and if, if he bounces outside you or inside you, that's okay. 
because we have people responsible for the edge and we have people responsible for their lanes. Your job is to be the first guy to get down there. McKenzie was phenomenal. One of the best I've seen in years for BYU. It helps that he's the state record holder in 100 meters. It does help. He's, he's probably in that 10-4, 10-5 range in the 100 meters. And speed is phenomenal. But sometimes speed doesn't translate to the field. Sometimes you hear about these great track athletes and you put a bunch of pads on them and you put them out on the field and they certainly don't run a 10-500 meters on the field. This dude was running a 10-500 meters on the field. Nobody no. could block him. And he was chasing those bombs that Rico kept hitting down the field and making plays, play after play after play. And I, I haven't been so impressed with, with a punt cover guy in years. Listen, that is an interesting tandem because we're going into a league where BYU is not going to score every time they touch the ball because they're going up against great teams that play defense. TCU doesn't play a lot of defense, but maybe they, they will when, they when we're there. They proved that yesterday, right? Uh, but you've got a weapon that, that can flip the field in any situation with Rico. And uh, maybe more so this year than in years past. I think we're going to appreciate that uh, a, a lot more. And to have that guy who's an NFL-type punter, now he's going to get enough punts this year to actually qualify. He's in the top five, I think, nationally after yes. week one. But um, him bombing it and guys like McKenzie down there, that that's a key area uh, of the team that, that may be underappreciated for the last couple of years. Not this year, because this year they're going to need a guy who can bomb it, uh, and he can, and he's ready. Yeah, let me give you a little glimpse into the future on Marcus McKenzie, because this is fun too. So, so Marcus... Um, just a freshman, works his way up and running with the twos and threes at, at corner, right? And he's just a young guy, so he's got he's to learn how to play that position and the defense and all that because, you know, his head's swimming a little bit. To be a gunner, you just put him out there and just let him take advantage of his athleticism. But the other number three at corner is another freshman. So the two freshman corner, um, Marcus McKenzie and then, and then Johnson is the other one. They're both world-class sprinters. Like, they're both really, really fast. They're both 10-5 and under 100-meter dash guys. And so down the road at some point, whether that's next year or the year after, you're going to have two corners starting at BYU that can run with anybody in the country. And I mean, Alabama, you name it, Georgia, they don't have receivers that can just blow by those two corners. When have we had two corners at BYU that Fat, that fast. And, and not only are they that fast, you saw from McKenzie that he's actually not just a track guy, he's a football player. Yeah. And so so the future at corner looks really bright. But let me also tell you, the present at corner is also good. looks amazing right looking now. Looking forward to seeing him Saturday. With, with Robinson and Eddie Heckard out there. That's the, man, that was good corner play on Saturday. Really good corner play. Hey, in just like 20 minutes, we picked up uh, nine new subscribers on YouTube. You guys are YouTube. the best. Thanks we're trying to get us. to 2,000 tonight. Why not? And uh, we're closing in. We have 1,989. So uh, call your friends. And if you're watching us on Facebook, thank you. But flip over to YouTube. It's free. Subscribe to us. It's free. And then you can come back to Facebook or Twitch or however you're taking us in. Um, and uh, let's see if we can get to 2,000. Thank you so much. Uh, 
this is a fun show and it's just growing and growing and growing and and please continue to let us know uh, your questions about the game and where you are watching from tonight and we'll try to give everybody a shout out let's listen to Kalani Sataki for a couple of minutes here's how he kicked off the week his assessment of the 14 point performance on Saturday and um, and looking ahead to Southern Utah so let's listen to that and then we'll react to it head coach Kalani Sataki I'm really excited about uh, week two uh, we're sitting at one and zero and uh, feeling good about it obviously there's some uh, some uh, performance that we wish we could have back uh, but uh, definitely some learning moments for our team and uh, specifically for our offense uh, but learning moments for all three phases for special teams, offense and defense. Um, happy that we got the win. That's that's the f- first and foremost. That's the mo- that's the most important goal. Um, but I'm also happy with a lot of the performance that we saw from individual players. Uh, obviously, we'd like to see more points on the board, and uh, we'd like to have more PATs rather than punts. Um, but. Uh, when you know, looking at it from from uh, being able to watch it and evaluate film, and um, you know, talk to the coaches and the players, uh, very fixable things where we can be in a better position to have more success in all three phases. And uh, we feel like uh, the when the 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 mistakes, the miscues, and and not to be able to take advantage of opportunities uh, were costly, but. Uh, things that are very fixable. Uh, usually when things like this happen in, in the week one, there's a lot of unknowns. We know a little bit more now, and uh, things that we can focus on to help us will be very fixable. Things that uh, dealing with ex- execution, um, assignment, sound football, um, mistakes like drive-killing penalties and things like that, uh, we can really fix. And so looking forward to this week. We've seen our guys perform better um, as a team. So it's not like we're completely happy with two phases and upset with one. All three phases are looking to improve, and we need to make that big jump of improvement from week one to week two. Really looking forward to the prep this week. So I'll take any questions that you guys have. And before that, I'll mention that we are playing Southern Utah uh, this weekend. Uh, well-coached team. Coach Fitzgerald does a great job. They're really tough. Um, we've seen uh, he's been there for a while. We've had, we've had, um, uh, you know, one of our analysts that was a offensive coordinator there, so they're very familiar with our scheme. We had, we know that there's a uh, players that have left us that have been in the, on on that team on the defensive side as well. So, really familiar with them being an in-state team, seeing them play quite a bit and watched them against Arizona State play a close game with them and uh, you know losing a close one, 24-21. So, definitely have our uh, have our attention. A lot of respect for them. I coach down there, so my oldest child was born in Cedar City. So um, we have a lot of fond memories of the T-Bird program and looking forward to them being up here in Lavelle Edwards Stadium and just uh, looking forward to the matchup, looking forward to an opportunity for us to play again. And I uh, just really want to uh, compliment our the, the Rock, our student section, and the rest of Cougar Nation that were in the stadium, in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Uh, for a lot of our newcomers, the, the, the electricity and the energy was definite. Uh, was, uh, was, a, was a definite positive for us. I know uh, uh, Jay Hills mentioned it before that it was. He, he didn't realize how much of an advantage it is. So having them there, uh, the fans there with so much energy, we appreciate them. We're looking forward to getting even more electrifying with uh, more performance in all three phases. So hopefully we can get that done this weekend. So thank you. Take any questions. 
But before we react to that, I wrote an article in the Deseret News today comparing BYU's first game performance to a first date. You can read that at Deseret.com. <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense or not, but it felt like you, it you did. You said it's, we haven't had a chance to read it. It felt yet, like so it I'll did. Read, I'll read it tonight for so sure. Check that out. And and your reaction to what Kalani... I, I, one thing that, um, you know, he he included the, the three phases... But uh, there was a giant message there sent to the offensive side. Yeah, the, he, he he has made no bones about it, and he's pretty transparent, and the team knows that. That's what they love about him, That, and he wants them to score more points. And I'm certain that the very first thing he said to Aaron Roderick is, hey, listen, it's all great. We learned some stuff. It's really good to learn and, and not lose, right? There's so much more to be had from learning when you win a game than losing and winning a game, right? And so um, it's it's... He, he's going to hold them accountable, and he knows that if they're going to have any success in this league, the Big 12 is a league where teams can score. They're not going to shut out a bunch of teams in the Big 12. Nobody's going to shut out a bunch of teams in the Big 12. I mean, did you get a glimpse of Oklahoma this week? Yeah, Texas. For Pete Sace. Even TCU lost, but they certainly didn't have any struggles moving the football and <laughs> scoring in the 40s. And so that's that league. Yeah. And so you, you have got to be potent offensively, and I'm certain he's a little concerned about that, but knows that there's some things that they can do. I do like... Um, him saying that we can't just go, hey, the defense was great, let's send the laurels. Um, you know, we were talking earlier today about the fact that um, the pressure could be better. It needs to get a step further. They need to be a step quicker defensively. Um, I, I thought that, I don't know if the corners can get better. They were lights out yeah. in this game. The right? linebackers were the Safeties solid. graded out good. Backers were really good. But when they brought pressure, they, they end up getting one sack and seven hurries. I'd like to see that be three or four sacks and three or four hurries, right? Figure out a way to get there just a little bit quicker and, and actually get to the quarterback against a team that's that level. And and uh, so there's some little things they can do. They had a only just a couple of blown assignments. They ran a zone blitz and let a, a throw go over the middle. The, the, the good news is, is they didn't have any what I would call like fatal errors. They make a mistake, they give up a chunk play, but they make a tackle and they don't give up a score. And if you can manage points like that, you're in good shape. Um, you know, and, and he talked about some uh, adjustments on special teams. Yeah, I think that somebody mentioned earlier in our chat that uh, they used up their fake punts for the year. They don't need to do another <laughs> one of those. To, no more fake punts. Don't need to do any more of those, No one right? wants to see that. No. And so, so, yeah, it's... Kalani always talks about we, we've got to get better every single week. And so even though it seemed like that defense played a pretty solid football game, he's not going to sit there and go, that was perfect. They're going to find all the things they can get better at. And I love the way Kalani teaches, this whole staff teaches, because they're also going to really point out the things that they did well and have them continue to grow in those areas to say, man, this was really, really good. Everybody watch this. This is how we have to get it done. Or this was almost perfect. What would make this perfect? So you learn from the good things that you do and you learn from the bad things that you do. And um, and Kalani does a great job of pointing those out and keeping the players motivated. And there's a lot to learn from offensively in this last game. BYU TV's game day starts at 11 o'clock Mountain Time. That's Saturday morning. We'll be live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium with two hours of pregame coverage leading to kickoff between BYU and Southern Utah at 1 o'clock Mountain on ESPN Plus with the live postgame show back on BYU TV as soon as it's over. Jacob Robinson, we'll sit down with him on game day. We'll also hear from uh, LJ Martin's parents who are in town met them today they were over at the byu tv mm -hmm. broadcast studio so that's saturday by the way and david nixon's going to join us in just a second byu's coming out in all navy uh on saturday for the first time and here's what it's going to look like you got navy hats 
tops, bottoms, and uh, and you see the graphic there that uh, the beautiful BYU uniform tracker put out on Twitter. Last worn, never. Never is right. So we're going to see a lot Even of Navy. Navy face masks, right? So I think it's I think it's going to be a cool cool look, and uh, and I imagine Southern Utah will come out and they're all whites, and so it'll be a clash of colors uh, at the stadium on Saturday afternoon. Remind you after further review tonight's show, we previewed Southern Utah and we reviewed Sam Houston, including the good, the bad, and the ugly, and uh, we think you'll find it enjoyable. You can watch it anytime on the BYU TV app. It is our pleasure to welcome back to the show a familiar face, our former Cougar linebacker, our BYU TV colleague, co-host of After Further Review, and BYU Sports Nation game day, also a Little League head football coach who stepped away from practice for a couple of moments to join us tonight. David Nixon, welcome back to the Wise Guys. Hey, long time, long time no see, guys. It's been, a, it's been a hot minute. Yeah, it has been a hot yeah, minute. It's been a couple hours. Do you, do you have, like, so Dennis Pitta came on from his car, and, and he was perfectly stable the whole time. We're thinking that Peta must have had a clip or something in his car to be able to to hold his phone in a perfect spot. Do you have a clip in your car, or do you just have perfect steady arm? I've got a perfect steady arm rested uh, on my rest <laughs> right here. So we're going to see. I, I think I can beat Pitta, though. I think I can be I, more my stable. You're going to be more stable than Dennis. Pitta. All right. Hey, Joseph, uh, Strain on our live stream says, first time watching tonight, my wife watches all the time. So thankfully, Joseph, you listened to your wife and have joined us here on The Wise Guys. Next, you've had a couple of days to think about it. What are your highs and lows from that season opener? Oh, man. For, for me, the highs, obviously the defense. But, you know, for me, it was just the fact that to see guys playing downhill again. You know, for, for the past few years, the scheme was more of a read, you know, make sure you got the right read and then react. And so it was almost a pause. They wanted the backers to pause. This was complete opposite. This was read, and you take your first read, and you are downhill, and you're screaming to the ball. And, you know, we teach our young guys the same thing. Hey, if you're going to be wrong, just do it fast. And I feel like that was kind of the motto for, for these guys. They weren't wrong a lot, uh, you know, on Saturday night, but they were playing so fast. I'm telling you, when you play fast, it makes up for so many errors or guys maybe that are wrong uh, because everyone's flying around. And, and, and when you can – when you can go disrupt the offense, we can go hit the the running the running back in the backfield and allows everyone else to rally. I mean, it's just huge. And, and there were there were times where guys were in the wrong gaps. There were times where when the defensive end kind of poked inside, um, and the back got outside. But then you had a DB flying up and and you know knocking the pins out and knocking his legs out. And so I love the defense. Um, now, granted, we take everything with a grain of salt. It was Sam Houston, right? Uh, and frankly, I don't know if they're going to be tested this week in uh, you know Southern Utah's either, but. Um, I, I just love the mentality. You could tell the approach. Uh, the ugly for me, obviously, the offense struggled. But the, the part that I was really disappointed with was just running the ball. The fact that, you know, when you go back and watch the film, they started off well in that first drive. There's a nice little surge. The offensive line had a good little push going. But then after that, Sam Houston's defense, getting credit to them, the front seven, man, they really just stiffened up. And, and BYU's offensive line could not get a push. And that was obviously the result with the running game struggling as much as it did. Um, and so – you know, that's something that obviously they're addressing right now. And, and uh, you know, I was I was texting with Harvey, and Harvey was saying, listen, we're, we're going to get our backs going. Like, there's, you know, we start slow, but we've got our guys ready, and they'll be prepared. So I'm excited to see what team rolls out on Saturday. I think these uh, the BYU offense has been probably a little humbled a little bit. Um, and I think that they come out with a little chip on their shoulder and, and try to show their true colors. You know, Nick, we were talking about this earlier today. 
This is the first shutout the Cougars um, have had in nine years. And Dave and I just, uh, you know, documented to the, the people on the chat and watching us here live that only five teams in, in football this opening weekend pitch shutouts. It's a it's it's more rare than people think. Yeah. Um, what's your thought on the fact that that first time in nine years for BYU a shutout, and how important is it that they they're able to manage points as they move forward this season? So it's funny shutouts typically happen. Um, you know, it's, it's tough to get shutouts because usually the offense is scoring points, and so usually you let your second and third stringers in at the end of the game, and all of a sudden a garbage touchdown or garbage field goal gets added on, so you miss out on the shutout. This is a unique game where the offense couldn't put up points, and so the, the starters had to stay out there the entire game. But I think that's the key. The key for me also, one of the biggest takeaways from this defense, was the fact that the starters played the entire game. Uh, previous schemes, the previous defense that BYU had, they loved to do those hockey wholesale line changes where yeah. they would sub out, honestly, 11 at a time sometimes, uh, or at least the front seven. And uh, Jay Hill came and said, listen, that's not – we our, our best players will be on the field and they will play the entire game. And I absolutely love that because that's that's how it was when I played there, right? I mean, the best players play, and you just got to be well-conditioned enough to last the whole game. And uh, that's what I love seeing out there. Ben Bywater, I mean, I don't know if he missed a play. He, he, he played almost the entire game. Uh, they did they do sub in Max they subbed in Max Tooley, who had a great game as well. But um, I, I love the fact that this defense, the starters got valuable reps. The fact they were able to pitch a shutout, I think that's something you obviously go and hang your hat on. Um, but that was that was an impressive effort, no question. I mean, I, that that defense, I'm telling you, especially with the 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 punt, the special teams there, um, the fact that the defense had went out there and, and stiffened up, even after a bad pass interference call, and right there on the goal line, they were able to stiffen up and not allow a touchdown. It's that's impressive, and that that's something that they can point to as the season progresses and say, guys, you remember the same Houston game? We stiffened up and we were put in a really crappy spot. We stiffened up and created a turnover. Let's go do it again. Ben Bywater, as you mentioned, and, and Thule, they headlined the linebackers. They combined for 18 tackles, the two of them. They're back healthy now. Both had offseason surgery. Uh, they got to stay healthy, and A.J. Vong Pachong in there as well, and Glasker and some of the others. But um, those linebackers, from a resident linebacker uh, that you were, when healthy, they are um, they're capable of winning in this league. Yeah, and, and there's, there's some plays in that game against Ben Houston where Thule didn't get credit with the tackle. But there was one player who broke down on AFR today where he swallowed up two blocks and he held the edge all at the same time. And and, and that's what these brackers bring to the table, including, like you said, AJ and, and Max. Uh, they, they're, they're big, they're fast, they're strong. And I, I would agree. I think at the end of the season, I'd be shocked if not one of them was first team all Big 12 uh, just because they're so athletic and, and, and they move so well. I was talking with Brian Kill about this the other day, how the game of football has changed so much over the years. You know, when I when I played, even in the NFL, 240, 245, 250 linebacker was kind of the norm. And now the norm is Fred Warner, who's, you know, 235, 240, but the kick can just flat out run. Yeah. And that's the game of football. When you go against these spread offenses, you've got to have backers that can run side to sideline. And that's what BYU can do. Even AJ, I mean, I think it's the second play of the game. He, he came all the way from the opposite side of the field on a pursuit and about ripped off the running back's head on a tackle. And uh, and that's that's this linebacker core. They're just violent, and they run really well. And we also see them back in pass coverage. These guys can cover a lot of ground on the back end as well. So I, I love this linebacker group. I, they, what they do is they make that defensive line right. And that defensive line, I, you know, you were mentioning Blaine coming into it. 
Only one sack. I would have loved – they had a lot of opportunities. And they just didn't get home. Uh, I would love to see that go up as well, and I agree. Three to four sacks, I think, for against Southern Utah should be one of their goals. Um, but the linebackers, they're going to, you know, they're going to have a lot of attention on them uh, for the opposing teams, which is going to allow some one on ones for those defensive lines. They've got to be ready, prepared to to get after the quarterback. But uh, that front seven, when they start clicking, especially that D line, when they start clicking. Man, it's going to be a dangerous, dangerous defense. You know, former BYU linebacker, BYU TV football analyst Dave Nixon's on The Wise Guys, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and, and wiseguys.com. We uh, we love that we get to work with Dave every week on, yeah. on multiple shows. But uh, you, you talk about the D-line. That's secondary. I don't know whether I was pleasant, like I was surprised or not. I, I expected the corners to be good. But they were really good. And I wasn't sure about the safeties. That was my big question mark. And you really don't even think about the safeties. And when you think about safeties, it's when big plays are going over the top or they're missing tackles. What's your overall impression of that back end of BYU's defense in this game? i tell you what. I mean, obviously the interceptions is really exciting and the batted balls and the way they're able to defend on the back end. Honestly, for me, maybe because I'm a linebacker, for me, the most exciting part was watching those guys come up in the flats and just take out the wide receivers. In fact, there was one we once going to cover on AFR today. It was a screen pass, similar to what BYU does, where they bring the wide receiver running behind the line of scrimmage all the way down the, the width of the field. And uh, Jacob Robinson read it from the get-go and met the receiver at the spot he was going to and just drilled him right in the legs and knocked him for no gain. And that's what got me excited was seeing these guys come up and hit because typically corners – they don't love to hit. They're usually kind of pretty boys. They like to just defend on the back end. But I tell you what, this year, these guys are thumpers. And, and that sets the tone for a defense as well. When you when I look outside and see my corner go out there and lay in the wood, man, there's nothing that gets me more excited than, than watching him do that. And so I guarantee that's what's happening with this team as well. And, and you wouldn't expect it, right? Jacob Robinson's one of the smallest guys. But it goes to show you that you don't – you know, if you get the right reads and you have the right technique and right form, you don't have to be 210 as a corner to go knock somebody down. You just aim at the right part of the body, right part of the body, and you just bring him down. So, um, I, I love that. Of course, the coverage part of it, you know, the the reads and 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 the fact that these guys are so experienced. Once again, Eddie Heckard has played in this defense, so he knows exactly what Jay Hill's calling and why he's calling it. He knows where to be, uh, and then Jacob Robinson has picked it up, obviously, tremendously well. Um, and it's just been fun. Malik Moore had a great game. To your point, no deep balls over the top of them. Uh, so it's just really, really – I mean, I think safety's corners, you grade out at A. I, I don't know how much better you can get if you were to give them a grade. Um, but, uh, you know, as as, uh, the D, as the defense coordinator, Jay Hill, would say, they've got a lot of room to improve on. So we keep them hungry. Fast Eddie, Earl Carr, Kay Porter on YouTube with us tonight. Thanks, guys. Good to have you back. Uh, you mentioned the offense a moment ago and, and some of the things you didn't like. L.J. Martin is somebody that everybody likes. A freshman comes in. He gets 16 carries all in the second half, uh, all in the last 19 minutes of the game. It finishes with 91 yards uh, in his BYU debut. What did you think of L.J. and um, and how valuable or how important is it for, for Harvey Unga and the guys to make sure that Robbins and Smith uh, still have their opportunities um, despite the fact that when they were running, the line wasn't blocking. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Aiden's, Aiden Robbins and uh, Dion, they'll, they'll still have opportunities. Uh, but I will say that LJ brought in kind of a different uh, different look than those other two brought in. And he was able to make guys miss, um, which the other two weren't doing. And so he brought in a little bit of a spark. And, and, and once again, who knows if that's a tribute to the fact that he came in later in the game 
when BYU's offensive line had kind of grinded on uh, Sam Houston, kind of ground him down a little bit and and made him exhausted. But um, it was impressive. And listen, he comes from Texas. All great players come from Texas. Here we go. Here we Um, go. (laughs) And knew that was cool. In all seriousness, though, he's come from, you know, in Texas, you're playing against some of the best kids in the country. And so he's come prepared. Um, And uh, he came out there. And and credit to Harvey Younga, because this is a kid you just had during camp. To have him ready and prepared to to, to carry the ball that many times and perform the way he did, that's coaching. And uh, credit to LJ as well. Obviously, credit goes both ways. But, um, man, that was was fun to watch. And as we know, you can never have too many running backs. And, And the fact that you can go two plays and get a breather and go hard, as a running back, um, man, that's that's a luxury. And so, yeah, huge game by him. I'm interested to see how Harvey juggles that running back room this week. I, I would assume that the veteran and Robbins gets, still gets the start and gets the bulk of the carries. But when you've got LJ, you know, back there having the performance he just had, um, it'd be hard to keep him on the bench. I, I would be, I would, I'd be surprised if you don't see him you know, in the first, second quarter with some touches early. Yeah. I, I think we're going to see all three of them again. And, and, uh, and that's good. Like you said, you have fresh legs and depth, three good guys. And I, I, I'm betting that the production from Smith and from Aiden Robbins is even more. Yeah. Um, what do you want? Like the defense, like, hey, I know, we, we've talked about it. We just want to see another shutout and some more sacks. That's all we want. We can't ask for more than three interceptions. Maybe they force a fumble this week so because we haven't seen that yet. But we're, we're not going to be too picky about that defense. If they did exactly what they did last week, we'd all be really, really happy. But but what about the offense on the offensive side? What what would you measure as success for this offense against Southern Utah this Saturday? Uh, for me, uh, obviously, when you look at the stats, I would love to see 150 yards rushing where they just dominate the line of scrimmage. That's what I want to see. I want to see a surge. I want to see Kingsley seven yards down the field taking one of their DNs and just plowing them into the ground, right? I, I want to see Connor Pay just finishing finishing blocks. You see dominance, and then that's what we expect from this offensive line. I think that's why everyone's so disappointed is because you you're, you knew you had so many guys coming back, um, and you had transfers come in that had great experience. And so we expected them to gel, and and I think, we, I think maybe we had too high of expectations, frankly. I think it's going to take a game or two for these guys to gel and, and to really uh, – you know, to just just be you know be great at what they need to do, and and we we I feel like we didn't quite see that. And that's where everyone feels a little let down. We thought we'd see the offensive line dominate more than it did, which would have resulted in a better run game. Um, and I don't know if it necessarily helps in the pass game. I feel like I feel like Keaton Slovis wasn't pressured a lot. He's just missing his throws a little bit, and some of that I think with Keaton maybe was some nerves. Um, but uh, you know, I, once this offense is clicking, we know it has the potential. It's just can can we get them there sooner than we had hoped? Uh, because after this week, there's you know you got Arkansas mm-hmm. on the road, and these get real real fast. It, does no Cody Epps and no Keanu Hill have an impact? I and mean, we we've talked about that. Is is that getting those guys back? Is that a boost for this offense that I, we'll see? There's no question, and I I think maybe we underestimate the the importance of them as well. Frankly, you know, you look at Keanu Hill, big deep threat, big body. I mean, you go back and watch the film from last year, and we've been breaking it down on AFR for the whole month of August, all of his highlights. But the guy's just a massive target. I mean, you can throw the ball up, and he'll just go up and get it. And and the way that he's able to hold guys off um, and create that separation, it's just it's it's tough to replicate with any other guys. And then Cody Epps. I mean, he can turn a quick little three-yard hitch into a huge gain, and the way he's able to move. And, and uh, I think beyond that, just their leadership, those are two guys that have been around the program for a long time. And I think they bring some type of sense of confidence and calmness to the offense. 
uh, some veteran guys, like you said, some familiar faces for that offense. Uh, frankly, even for maybe even Aaron Roderick, the offensive play caller, I, I think he finds some uh, comfort in knowing that they're out there. And so I, I think if they're out there, I think this game plan obviously changes with them out there. But I think that also the uh, I think the rhythm that everyone hoped the offense would get into, if you can keep, complete a couple deep balls and, and let them go vertical, um, hopefully that will kind of spark this offense. That's what they need. They just need some type of spark because that that's what was lacking on Saturday. It, it, you know, it's three and out, four and out, you know, maybe get one first down and then stall out. It's just they couldn't put drives together. And so um, beyond that first drive. So we'll see. We'll see kind of how uh, those guys can provide that much needed spark. BYU TV football analyst David Nixon on the Wise Guys tonight. You can see him and the rest of the gang Saturday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time on BYU Sports Nation Game Day ahead of BYU in Southern Utah at 1 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Two more questions for you, and uh, we sure appreciate your time tonight. Your brother-in-law, Taysom Hill, and the Saints open the NFL season Sunday at home against the Titans. So what's Taysom saying about his role this season and also playing alongside BYU's all-time leading rusher, Jamal Williams, for the first time since they were playing here in Provo. Yeah, I've talked to him about it. He said, Jamal's still Jamal. And he's just, <laughs> just the best. Uh, those two are having a great time. And, and Taysom got banged up a little bit in camp. Um, and so he's been taking off the last few weeks, getting ready for the season. They kind of just said, listen, we know what you bring to the table. There's no reason for you to kind of fight through an injury. Let's get you healthy. So um, he's getting ready. I mean, game prep this week. It's game week for those guys. Uh, feels like it's been that has been a long time coming. Uh, but uh, talking to him, he's he's pretty excited. Another year, uh, you get through training camp, and that's the thing. This is finally as NFL player, you get to this week where you finally start prepping for a team, and you don't have to bang against your own guys. Uh, it's it's the best feeling ever. And, and now you start now you start getting some type of uh, you know rhythm as far as you know you, now you have you know your meetings and everything that that. Uh, that you're used to having. So um, I, I think he's, yeah, he's, he's honestly pretty excited. And we'll see, we'll see what happens with Jamal. I mean, uh, with Alvin Kamara out for the first three games suspended, yeah, uh, I think I, you'll see a heavy dose of, of Jamal back there. I, Who knows? Maybe we'll see the old right option with Taysman Jamal. How in the back fun would that be? I drafted, uh, I drafted Jamal. So when they do that, I want Taysom to give the ball to him. Whereas in years <laughs> past, I would say, never give it up. Just run it into the yeah. end zone. But it's going to be fun to see those two together. Uh, on Sunday. And why wouldn't you put Taysom in at the two-yard line to run that play you just mentioned, David? It's 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 the guy who scored more touchdowns you know, than anybody last it, year in the NFL and a quarterback no one can stop. And, and we had a question yeah. from one of the folks in the chat where they said, hey, when the offense just needs one foot for a touchdown or a first down, is there any blocking scheme or is it just brute strength down in the trenches? BYU seemed to have trouble with that last year as well, you know, touchdowns as well as short yards. One of the solutions is you put somebody in a quarterback – that is a threat because you always have one less blocker on offense when you have a traditional quarterback in there because yeah. the quarterback hands it off and then typically stands there and watch, like I said that, like I was disgusted. That's exactly what I used to do. But, <laughs> but so when you put a quarterback in there like Taysom Hill, who's also a run threat, now, now you've got the right number of people to block everybody. You still have one less. Because the guy with the ball doesn't block, right? Yeah. But when you have a traditional quarterback in the game, you have two unblocked players. Because you have the guy that's carrying the ball and you have the guy that handed him the ball. And so you, you've got to scheme and try to get numbers. And, you know, your guys have to come out lower than the other guys. There's there's just so much to it. But I will say this. If your quarterback is a running threat, when Taysom Hill's at quarterback, 
you have a much higher percentage chance to convert on short yardage or down on the goal line, right? Right, Dave? It's so tough. It's so tough to defend a guy like Taysom because not only is he fast, but he's huge too. I mean, he's a he's a big dude, two thirty five, and he has low pad level. We always talk, we always talk about pad level. He's got fantastic pad level to where he'll lower his shoulders and and reduce his surface area. Good luck trying to bring him down. So, hundred um, percent. I, I I wouldn't. I think you'll see a lot of Taysom and Jamal, uh, especially like I said, until Kamara gets back. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be exciting. I'm, I've I got my NFL Sunday ticket ready to rock and roll. <laughs> hey, your little league team's coming off a rough weekend, and you're at practice today. How are the boys responding? No, we won. I we, thought you won. We won. I thought you got today. beat. Was no, that the week two before? Weeks two weeks oh, ago. Two weeks ago. So it bounced we back. Lost, bounced back. We're two. We're two and one. Uh, we lost two weeks ago, fourteen to seven. But we we won this last week, thirty-four to nothing. Okay. So oh, all right. We, so pitched, just... we, we, we pitched a shutout. We got to go get him donuts at some point. I got to probably run to the store <laughs> so and get some donuts. Uh, my my question up. is, I'm looking. I'm looking at the inside of that beautiful, beautiful, luxurious car. A nice skyline. <laughs> and my my thinking is, is this is this part of your nil deal as a coach? Like as a little yeah. league coach, your NIL deal, you get you get a Range Rover, or what's the deal on this? That's that's what I was in my past. It's my contract. I told him we got to adhere to the contract, so <laughs> that's that's what I put in there. Hey, go get the donuts. Yeah. Be good to the kids, and we'll see you Saturday. Yeah, we'll see you Saturday. Love, I can't wait. Thanks, guys. David Thanks, Nixon, Nick. great linebacker and a great colleague of ours on BYU TV. Um, and you know, he and Below are always sticking up for the defense because that's yeah. that's the world yeah. they've come from. And you uh, stick up for the offense and mostly the quarterback because that's the world you come from. And together we have a pretty good time. Spencer and I just add some things here and there. Uh, but we look forward to I'm seeing kinda, you I'm Saturday. I'm kind of both now, though, since all my boys play defense and since Gavin coaches the defense. I'm, I kind of like the defense now. Well, and I even find myself at times making fun of quarterbacks. I don't even get it. I don't even know what I'm thinking when I say those things. Yeah. yeah well, just go and, and get that ring back out and yeah. see what position you played so, when the championship rings were handed. Yeah, and we tried to answer Fast Eddie's question there a little bit. If you can get quarterback run game, and, and BYU is going to use Keaton Slovis in the run game this year a little bit. Their other quarterbacks all have the ability to run. And and sometimes it's it's... You know, if you have big backs and big offensive line, you can kind of just grade the road and zone block. But but there's always going to be more people than than you can block up front in short yardage, especially if they load it up. So sometimes it's about, you know, uh, getting them to flow one way and coming back the other, running a counter and pulling guys. It's all about numbers down there. But the most important thing you can do on the goal line is, or on third and one or third and a foot, is for your dudes up front to get lower than the dudes on defense. The team that gets lower wins. And last year, we allowed too many teams to get leverage underneath us and not knock people off the ball. And our running backs didn't stay low enough. You want running backs that will get their pad level low and just run over people. That's why, you know, LJ um, Martin, we love that about him in this game. He played with a low pad level and finished runs. So hopefully that answered your question, Fast Eddie. Craig from uh, Pocatello, we were thinking the exact same thing when BYU got to the goal line and Slovis uh, sneaked it in for his second touchdown when the running backs were behind him. And that question is, a, you know, I thought the quarterbacks need to be protected. You remember, I think it was Sean Brady or it might have been Patrick Mahomes who suffered a big injury on a sneak in the goal yeah. line. And that was the last time we saw uh, Mahomes run the ball from, from the one-yard line. Because you're right. And we were thinking that. As uh, you remember, LJ and I think it might have been Robbins when they're pushing him in, you know, with that surge with the offensive line, and and uh, yeah, yeah, that's the they only do, quarterback do, do we got with thirty four yeah. P five starts. They do that old muddle huddle or like the rugby scrum down there. 
Um, but think about it. Chiefs do that sometimes too. They'll motion Kelsey in behind Patrick Mahomes and they'll push Patrick Mahomes for a first down. Yeah, you're flirting it's with so the, hard your to, franchise. It's so hard to stop, but you are putting that quarterback at risk, Craig. We're, we're going to admit that, Craig Madsen. We'll admit that puts the quarterback at risk. Next week, John Beck. Former BYU quarterback Keaton Slovis' off-season personal quarterback coach. And Dave Rose will be on the show. I'm just so ahead excited of his induction for, for both of those, but especially for Dave Rose. Utah Sports Hall of Fame. We'll hear from the basketball coach, and uh, he's excited to come on. So we look forward to that. Let's talk about some winning streaks. Despite the how we might feel about a 14-0 victory, BYU is right among the group of the longest active winning streaks among all P5 programs. George is number one. They've won 18 straight. Washington is second. They've won eight straight. You notice how we go from Georgia down to reality. Yeah, 18 to eight. Florida right. State's got six in a row. Boy, they look good Sunday night when Man, they blew they out LSU. Good. Yeah, Florida State's back. Then you got Penn State and Pittsburgh. Uh, they each have six-game winning streaks. Right behind them, uh, BYU, Alabama, and Oregon State. All sitting on five, and that's sixth best among P5s. Yeah, meaning you, you had to, with five-game win streak, you had to win your last four your last four, and, and your first game this season. Yeah. Right? So, which isn't always easy to do. It's nice uh, when BYU's in the group of, of uh, the Blue Bloods, when we start throwing around Alabamas and this and that. And we did it last week. There are a couple of stats here and there where, yeah, yeah, when it comes to most wins in the last 50 years, BYU is in the top ten. With yeah. all those boys. Yeah. Do, you want, do you want to talk about news or do you want to go back and do a little Southern Utah preview? Let's talk about Southern Utah and then we're going to talk about the ACC expansion. Yep. Yep. I just wondered if you and wanted we've to. we've got soccer coming up. So hang oh, with us yeah. now that they're, they're back to number one. Yep. Hang, hang on for just a minute. But we thought we'd give you a little, just a little preview of Southern Utah and what, and what to expect. So last week they beat Arizona or they got beat by Arizona State 24 to 21. It was a weird scenario. They were down there in Tempe. It was a late game. It was Thursday. A haboob came in, which is this giant desert sand wind hurricane. Is that, is that on what that thing was? In, remember the Mission Impossible that yeah, was in like was, Abu was Dhabi? Was that yeah. a haboob that came that. in? Okay. And um, and I had to say that word on the news in Vegas. You said haboob. And I, I didn't I didn't feel right about it one time. But um, I, I feel so, like you need to so they go wash in, your mouth out with soap after they, you say haboob. I, they go into halftime. And they stay in there for two and a half hours. And then they come out and play the second half. Yeah. So that's yeah. like a six and a half hour game. Anyway, they held tough in the second half. And we, we saw a few things that the, we're going to see again on Saturday. You know, and they, they blocked a punt and they picked it up and ran it back for a touchdown. That's how that score got to 21-24. Um, so, so Southern Utah, they, I thought it was a pretty impressive outing. Um, they had 226 yards of total offense. So they really, when you think about it, they, they scored two touchdowns. One of those touchdowns was a defensive touchdown. 139 passing, 87 running. Um, they averaged 4.6 yards of play. They were 5 of 13 on third downs. And their time of possession was 30 minutes and 48 seconds. Arizona State just with 29 point, point 12, 29 uh, minutes and 12 seconds. So they, had, they possessed the ball more than Arizona State, who should have been the more physical and more dominant team. Um, Arizona State moved the ball. They had 371 yards. So there's your standard. BYU's offense should be at least as good as Arizona State's offense this Saturday, right? So there, there's a target. To me, then BYU's got to get it 375 or more, or I'm going to be disappointed. Is that putting too much pressure on them? Uh, no. They had 236 passing and 135 rushing. This is a Southern Utah team. They're re they had to rebuild that secondary this year. And so... You, you, you would think the BYU should be able to throw the football on them where they don't have as much experience back there. Um, they got a senior quarterback in Justin Miller. 
Uh, the snow. Hey, you know what I love about him? You, Utah kid, snow college kid. Yeah. Do you know? Um, he's playing there. He was eight of seventeen for one hundred and twenty-three yards, um, and one touchdown. He took care of the ball. Didn't have any interceptions. Um, they, they've got a a solid running back and in, in Braden Whistler. Um, he's a U of U transfer. He's he's a redshirt sophomore. He had fifteen carries for forty-five yards. A little rough going against Arizona State. Just averaged three yards a carry, and they have a good group of wide receivers. Um, they, you know, Zach Mitchell led them this last week with four receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown. But um, it's, I would say, the strength of they've got veterans on offense at the skill positions. Um, defensively, they're trying to get this secondary to develop. So BYU should maybe get some more chunk plays and intermediate throws this week than they did this last week because that was the strength of Sam Houston. They had a big-time veteran secondary who covered really, really well. Um, but I, I agree with Kalani when he said that it's a team that's physical and scraps and plays hard and well coached. So this will be a fun game. And, and you know, I say this over and over again. If you're going to play an FCS opponent, yep. play which, which play the teams in state, play Utah Tech, play Southern Utah, play Weber State. Let's keep the money in 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 the state. Um, between this Arizona State and the BYU game, Southern Utah is going to add just under a million dollars to their coffers to help support their athletic program. And I like that the big schools in the state, Utah and BYU, and I think Utah should do the same. And I think Utah State should do the same. If you're going to play an FCS opponent, let's keep it in the state. And let's keep the money here in the state of Utah. I'm thinking after listening to what you just said, 42 to 14. That's, that's what your I'm score? Thinking. And it should be that. It should be that. I don't know if it will, but it should be I, I, that. I'm just saying 35 or higher, and I'm okay with the offense in this one. Hey, Brian's with us from Griffin, Georgia. Thank you, Brian. Steven checks in from Mesa, Arizona. And John Crowder's got a question that we addressed on After Further Review, and we can certainly talk about it here. We're taking all questions tonight after the first game. Uh, what say you about the bot call on the review on that interception in the second half? That was uh, Jacob Robinson's second pick, mm -hmm. which led to BYU's second touchdown. Uh, when the official told the um, uh, Sam Houston coach that the conference, quote, that the conference told the ref he had to move on per the coach's post-game interview. Um, yeah, they, they stared at it for a long time. They didn't have the angles uh, to uh, overturn it because they called it a pick on the field, and there wasn't the angle that showed the ball bouncing. It never, it never showed the bottom of the ball. And the so ball wasn't in the with. frame. And, so, and then the thing that the coach was so upset about, Dave, was that the in-stadium – you know, the, the big scoreboards, uh, you know, Diamond Vision, whatever whatever we have. What's that one called in, in, in Pro? I don't know what it's called. I don't know if it's a Diamond Vision. But but that giant high-def screen, it has its own cameras. Yeah, different and and, from and, the league. And it's run by BYU guys, right? And they have their own little production group that puts the replays and stuff back up there. Well, they had the ball in a frame. And they put it up there. And so the fans and Sam Houston's coach saw it. Right? Keeler saw that. He's like, well, it was right there. And the official explained to him, doesn't matter if it was right there. We're bound to use the review angles that we have from the television feed and from our impartial people upstairs that are right. running that. We can't take a feed from the stadium. That's not the rule. And it's the Big 12 feed, and they paid all the money to own right. all the stuff. And so it's like, hey, it doesn't matter whether you saw it playing his day up there. <laughs> it was called a reception on the field. I'm only allowed to look at the evidence provided to me by the league. There is no ball in the frame in the league, and therefore, it's a catch. And we need to move on. And they did. And they moved and, on. And I sat down with Jacob Robinson, and we're going to have that interview on game day. Uh, and I did ask him, uh, 
you know, you've now seen the tape, you've seen the video. Did you get away with something there? And he said, I so got away with something. Yeah, there. he admitted it. And yeah. that's okay. That's but, how the rules, but hey, that's how the rules. It is what it is. Sometimes that goes against us I, and sometimes I, it goes fine. I need, I need to coach him up on that answer though. Like, <laughs> so if. Well, it was a few it, days it, later. Yeah. At the post game, you don't know, have to readily admit, well, but now we've all seen it. He saw it on film too. And, and yeah. film has great angle, but he should just say, if you're asking me if it was an interception or not, what does it say in the stats? Says it's an interception, then so it's an go. interception. I can't control what the league rules say, and uh, and they called it an interception. So I got an interception, whether he got it or not. It was a phenomenal play. The coverage was outstanding, and he got a hand on the ball. So so uh, before we get to this week in the Big Twelve, because there's some big games we want to talk about. Uh, in between our last show, the ACC went and did the unthinkable. Yes, they invited Cal, Stanford. And SMU to join their league, which I think, does that put them up to 18 teams? Were they at 14 or were they already at 16? Because they kind of had Notre Dame, but not, not really. Yeah, Notre Dame's um, just a... a now, that, now they're up to 18 sketch, teams because yeah, 12 right. of the 15 teams in the league voted for it. Right. The three that didn't are the three that want to leave. Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina. Right. So, is the cast... Is, is the die already cast? Those three are bugging out first chance they get. They didn't want these new three to come in. Right. The others vote them in because they need strength by numbers. Right. And we've seen the Big 12 do that a little bit. Um, but but now we've got we've got West Coast going and playing on the East Coast. Can you imagine um, the travel, Dave? Can you just imagine? All the time. And someone asked me, is that a good idea? And I said, no, it isn't. So it's probably going to happen. It doesn't make sense. If, but If you're a cow... Imagine you got you got to go back and play at Boston College, and then the next week you got to play at Florida State. Yeah. Well, you, do you just stay back on the East Coast? Uh, and it, and it's it stopped being about the student athlete a long time ago, uh, especially when USC jumped to the Big Ten. That that had nothing to do with a student athlete. That had to do with a billion dollars that the right pack the Big Ten was trying to get. But um, it'll be interesting to see. And I think that's going to be, be it, except for Washington State and Oregon State are sitting out there. Um, yeah. And they've they're, they're got to go to the Mountain West. That, that, it looks like that's AAC what's going to happen. is not going to be there for. I think, I think they've got to go to the Mountain West. But what, how about the irony um, that you got the, the Pac-12s off to a great start. I think they're 13-0. and 0. Th- This might be the best that league is has been in the last 10 years. Yeah, and they finally, they finally maybe might get someone in the championship playoff the year that they, they just completely disband right under their feet. Right. Just poof. Yep. And <laughs> I feel bad for Washington State and Oregon State because because guess who's really good this year? Oregon, Oregon State. State. Guess who I'm rooting for to win the league this year? Oregon State. Yes, I am. And you are too, aren't you? I, 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 I'm, I'm curious to see USC. I, I, yeah, I, they're U- fun USC to watch. USC really fun to watch. But uh, I'd love to see Washington State beat Washington yeah. and Oregon State beat Oregon and Oregon State marched Washington's through there. quarterback looked phenomenal. And so Washington yeah. looks like they're back. Washington looks like they're back. They've been down a couple years. Oregon State is up and as good as they've been in a long time. Wouldn't that be ironic if Oregon State <laughs> Want wins it? the Pac-12 and goes to the Rose Bowl, let's say, and then... Well, the, they don't get a go this year, right? Because well, that's right, because the, the Rose Bowl is part of the thing. So they go to whatever big bowl... And then the league disbands and they end up in the Mountain West Conference. That would be very ironic, right? Uh, BYU Sports Addict sends us on the live stream. The Big 12 is the wild, wild west right now. Yes, And it let's is. talk about the Big 12 and our Big 12 report. Three surprises last weekend. I didn't see Colorado doing what they did at 
17th ranked TCU and Deion Sanders debut. I didn't see it coming. But don't, do you do you consider Colorado in the Pac-12 or do you just consider them in the Big 12 now? I, I, I moved him into the Big 12. Yeah, I moved him in. Even though they're playing the Pac-12 this year, Dion made it clear he wanted out of that league and he wanted the Big 12. So I'm going to grant him. And He's was, already in the Big 12. I found myself pulling for them. I, I, you know, I, I have no love for TCU. There's no reason to love TCU at, except for they're a conference foe. But you know what? Sometimes that doesn't move it, the needle it, when, for when me. When Gary Patterson was there... I really rooted for him because I love Gary, right? And all his kids attended BYU, and right. we love that. And so, and, and he's been so good to us over the years, and so I rooted for him. And now I respect TCU a heck of a lot, but yeah. I don't root for him like I did. Well, I root for him when they're playing a non-conference game now. I've got some conference pride already in me. i got some Big 12 conference pride in me already. I hope everybody out there with us... You know, I, I'm interested to know, are you guys feeling conference pride? Are you watching these games? And when the Big 12's playing another league, are you rooting for the Big 12 team? I am. When uh, Texas State went in and beat Baylor and Waco 42-31 yeah. to 31 and knocked their quarterback out for a few weeks, my first thought was, I was pretty sure Baylor was good enough to beat Utah in Waco next week, and then they lose their quarterback. So not only they lose Texas State, they lose to, uh, they lose their quarterback heading into a game that uh, that... With their quarterback, I think they could win. They could still win. Uh, Utah's still without their quarterback, as right. far as we know. But um, that's the, the game we'll talk about in a moment. So Baylor goes down. And then we watch Texas Tech go into Laramie and get beat by Wyoming in double overtime. And on this show, not too long ago, we both talked about, hey, Texas Tech could win the league. Yeah, I... Texas Tech was my sleeper based on who they had coming back. I thought they'd be so explosive offensively. And 32 is a good outing, but I, I thought they'd score 45, 50. And Wyoming, Wyoming wouldn't score 35 on your defense. And it wasn't in Lubbock. So, it was in Laramie. Yeah, it was in Laramie, but and they're playing at almost 7,000 feet elevation. And weird things happen over there. We both know that. I've, BYU's I've, playing there next year. Hey, I've witnessed it myself. <laughs> I've, in person. I've seen sunny days going in and blizzards coming out. I've stood in a blizzard on the sidelines. I've called a game in a blizzard up there. I've <laughs> called a game that BYU lost up there. Then they tore the goalpost down, disassembled the goalpost, and passed the post with the fans up the stadium and threw it out of the stadium. That's the and Cowboy then that, way. That, that, that upright ended up in a bar downtown <laughs> uh, where they celebrated and they laid it on the bar. And to this day... That upright is now fastened to the ceiling up above that bar. Ever since that day, Wyoming beat BYU that in that stadium. Else. So I've seen some crazy stuff. That was something else. And, and yeah, we'll be in Laramie next year. Yes, we will. Um, th this is going to be a really interesting week in the in the Big 12. Um, let's run down some of the games that, uh, that are going to say a lot to uh, uh, where we go from here. And Friday night on ESPN is our chance to watch Kansas host Illinois. Ahead of BYU going to Kansas in two weeks. And we're going to see if this Kansas team is all it's cracked up to be offensively. you got Daniels, a quarterback, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the Big 12. Um, we'll see. This could be an offensive an offensive barrage in this one. And in Kansas, what I'm not... I'm not looking to see how they are. As, I'm, I'm excited to watch their offense. I'm looking to see if they're going to play defense this year. Because the word out on Kansas is they can score on anybody and anybody can score on them. So we'll see. If they shored that defense up, if they're solid on defense, Kansas could be a surprise team in the league this year. Yeah, and and BYU is going to see them in two weeks. Yep. Um, so Friday night, you know what we're doing? We're at high school games, but also keeping yeah, an eye we'll on We'll be watching that Kansas on Kansas. Game. Of course, the Southern and, and, and Utah. And Earl, Earl did say, by the way, he's rooting for all of his Big 12 brothers already. He's all, he says, nice I'm all Earl. in on my Big 12 brothers, Earl Carr says. so. 
Nice, nice. Uh, um, Utah and Baylor play on Saturday morning on ESPN. That's going to be an interesting game. I don't know if Cam Rising's back. Um, we know Baylor's starting quarterback's out. The rest of the Bears are going to be bent out of shape because Texas State just beat them. So I don't know how that one's going to go. I think that's a toss-up. That's, that's, you know what? Baylor had to replace most of their offensive line. Two former BYU players are starting on that the offensive Barringtons. line. The Barrington brothers. Did, did they figure it out defensively? I think Baylor is a more physical team than Florida, but I think Florida has more overall team speed than Florida. So it's a really interesting matchup. Um, you know, Utah didn't look phenomenal offensively without without uh, Cam Rising. He's a big time difference maker. Is Cam back? I don't think he is going to be back. I don't either. Is Baylor physical enough to stay toe to toe, and that one comes down to the wire at home, or, or, or is Baylor just not good this year? Yeah, that that one I'm really watching because my my jury's out after that last week against Baylor. Was that an aberration? They Are had a lot. Than that? They had a lot of experienced guys last year when they came up to Provo and BYU beat them. And then they went on had a decent year. Won it the year before, remember? Yep. And um, so we'll see. But they've got all week to figure it out. Iowa State is at home against Iowa. We'll a see the Cyclones yeah. later on. How about SMU at Oklahoma? Is Oklahoma going to put up eighty? I don't know. They did it against Arkansas State, but SMU is not Arkansas State. And now remember, SMU's feeling P five ish. Yeah, they're they're going to be because the they're ACC joining the year. ACC. And do they been, go they've in? They've been really solid the last it, couple of years. Is this their statement game? No, Oklahoma's going to score sixty. Yeah, I, I don't know if Oklahoma's back. Like Texas, we don't know if they're back until. We'll, we'll see. But we'll see on Saturday. Because I respect SMU defensively. If they score sixty on SMU, I'm a, I'm ready to officially say Oklahoma's back. Yeah, I I, I will join you at that, and, and we will they, see so Oklahoma on November 18th. Sixty's the the number where we go. Okay, they're for real, right? Against SMU. Yeah. Okay. Cincinnati and Pitt is a, at Pitt's another interesting game. Um, I got Cincinnati in that, even though they're kind of rebuilding this year. Yeah, so new staff, a lot of new players. So Texas Tech, after losing in Laramie, they go home and they host Oregon. Now, before the Wyoming game, I would say Texas Tech beats the Ducks in Lubbock, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And and Oregon looked really good this last week, so this will be an interesting. You know, as they go on the road, I love Bo Nix at quarterback. I think he, he manages the game so well, and he's such a you know he. He rises to the moment, but maybe Texas Tech gets out of their funk and just goes out and scores a bunch of points, and it becomes a scoring match down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. We'll hey, see by the way, Doctor Ketch says that Oklahoma might score a hundred this week. Yeah, Doctor, you may be right. Uh, UCF, uh, Central Florida, they're at Boise State. Yeah, Boise State got hammered against Washington. Uh, when they put up a fight in the first quarter, and I thought they would, yeah, we're going to stick around and then see ya. And but, and but this could be blue turf magic. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, so that's an interesting one to watch. The, the big, big one. Yeah, the big game of the week. Nationally, College Game Day will be there. Texas at Alabama. Two top 10 teams. Texas is one of the teams that has the talent to match up with Alabama. Now let's see how well coached they are in this one and if their schemes are designed well enough to, to match up with that great coaching staff at Alabama. Remember, Steve Sarkeesian was on that staff. Um probably the highest paid analyst in the United States as he was calling plays as an analyst for Alabama. We'll, uh, we'll see. That's, that's one of the biggest games in the country. And if Texas either just hangs right in there and wins a nail biter, are we going to say or, they're back or wins that game, then they're already the favorite to win the league. If they get blown out, then I'm not sure if they, be, if they win next week on this show, we'll both say Oklahoma and Texas are back. Yep. No, no. Oklahoma has to win, but, 
score 60. They have to win by 60. They have to score 60. That's right. And Texas has to win. If they both do that, we're going to say Texas and Oklahoma are both back. <laughs> Medward One says, do you think uh, primetime wins coach of the year? Uh, after week one, if they were voting, the answer would be yes. He, he would win it right he's now. He's got a lot of he's games. He's got a whole ahead. season. And, and the Pac-12 is better this year. Oklahoma State is at Arizona State on Saturday night, and we will finish the regular season yeah, and I think, at Oklahoma and State. I, I like Oklahoma State in that one. Yeah, I do too. I don't think Arizona State's got all kinds of problems off the field. And, um, and they're playing a freshman quarterback. I would be surprised if uh, – uh, if Oklahoma State loses that game on Saturday night. Hey, a flyover update for you, by the way. Here's the plan, the tentative plan, according to our inside sources with the United States Air Force. Can we say their names, or is it protected? Because I think we've said it before. Yeah, I think Clark, we... Can we say Clark Heyman? Let's see. If we can't say Clark Heyman, tell me, and I won't say it. <laughs> uh, our favorite uh, BYU alum. Anyway, uh, they're going to be Jets at Kansas for the Big 12 opener. And then tentatively, the plan is Jets here on September 29th. That's a Friday night against Fun. Cincinnati, Big 12 home opener. Texas Tech and Oklahoma. Yeah. Now, everything's subject to change uh, due to kickoff times. Like if they put us at 9 p.m., there's not going to be any Jets except a Delta that's flying over. Right. And, and remember, the, the reason we have this insight is because Clark Kamen, who's been on this show, BYU grab, coordinates the flyovers for the U.S. Air Force all over the country. Uh, for all kinds of big events. And, and you know, we were asking him, how much does that cost? And he goes, it's actually really cost-effective for, for the Air Force. Because training. They have to do a certain number of, of, they have to get so many hours in the air. They have to understand how to fly in formation. They have to fly at low altitudes. Think about it. Coming over Cougar Stadium, especially if you're heading south to north, and you got to make that bank turn up over Mount Timpanogos. It's all good training, and we love it. We love that they're trained right over uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Uh, keep that flyover news just between and us. And Michael Zimmerman, thanks for sharing on Facebook uh, with your friends because we're we're gonna get to we're gonna get to two thousand and nine on Facebook. Yeah, or, I'm not on Facebook we're on close. YouTube. We're getting close. So hop on there. Is it Facebook or YouTube? We're doing YouTube. YouTube tonight. We're okay. in two thousand and nine. Um, by the way, as far as stadiums go, something to think about as we think about jets flying over stadiums. Once Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big 12 after this season, uh, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado join for 2024. The largest stadium in the 16-team conference will be Lavelle Edwards Stadium at 63,470, just ahead of Iowa State's Jack Trice Stadium at 61,500. So BYU will be kings of the land. Yes, they will. Once we boot those other two Once out. Once you get those two gigantic stadiums out. So that's Texas. good. That's, that's nice to have yeah. um, going for us. Why not? Yeah. Be the biggest stadium in the league. And, and Sam Houston's coach was saying that this, the noise, they played at Texas A&M last year. And that's the 12th man and all that stuff. And what do they have? 5,000 fans yeah. to attend that game? He said the noise at Lavelle Edwards Stadium was louder than uh, at, um, at Texas A&M. Congrats at, what to is the it? Rock. Kyle Field. At Kyle, Kyle Field. Congrats to the Rock. Yeah. Um, and they had an effect in the game. Remember the, the sack on, on that third down situation where the ball was snapped before the quarterback was ready? Yeah. He couldn't hear. The center couldn't hear, so he just snapped it. Aaron snapped. The ball goes on the ground. He picks it up and runs, and, and Tyler Batty runs and gets a sack. The Rock gets credit for one sack right now. Nice job, Rock. Way to go, Rock. Two pieces of big news we want to cover tonight. Uh, and we've talked a lot about football, and we've got more football coming up with the Cougars in the NFL, so hang with us on that. And keep your questions coming. Um, haven't heard Kay Porter about uh, Ellie, Ellie, Lavelle Edwards Stadium expanding, the, the, but the, they've been modernizing yeah, every the, year. The only thing, Kay, Kay Porter, that Tom did mention, Tom Homo mentioned, 
that they do need to upgrade the facilities to fit in with a Big 12. The locker rooms so need to be some modernization redone. efforts. I don't think that there's going to be more seats or, you know, they're not going yeah. to add a deck. I'd love to see them add a deck and take that thing. you got to sell that thing out for a while. Right. You sell it out every week and then we can talk about that, right? Go, uh, back, go back to the 80s. I hate to say when I played, but when I played... We could have put eighty thousand in the stands every week. Yeah. We sold that thing out every yeah. single every single game. Everyone no loves being played. undefeated, winning the national title. And, for some and reason, seats were pretty cheap. For some reason, when you do that and seats are cheap, <laughs> a lot of people show up. So, so look, history was made this afternoon. If you were just driving around, minding your own business, and all of a sudden you got goosebumps for some reason, you're like, "What? What just happened here?" Um, the coaches' poll came out for women's soccer, the NCAA poll, and for the first time in program history, BYU is ranked number one. Number one in the land for Jen Rockwood and the 6-0 and Cougars. And uh, we texted her and we said, hey, we want you on game day. We want you on game day in front of everybody, in front of the Rock, in front of Cougar Nation to celebrate this before they go out and play Utah Saturday night uh, in Salt Lake City. But how about that, number one? She told us they were Big 12 ready and they were going to contend in the Big 12. She did not say that six games in should be the number one ranked team in the country. She was pretty confident, though, and I think that confidence and that little bit of swagger carries over to her team. And it it was never more evident than when they hosted number one UCLA the other night, and they beat them 3-1. That's a pretty big, convincing win against the number one team in defending national champs. And then they go and take on Utah Valley, and 6-1 in soccer is a spanking. Remember, Utah Valley beat them 4-2 at Southfield last year. So not only were they on the heels, here's how good that team is. Not only on the, are they on the heels of beating the number one team for the first time ever, uh, they go up to Orem and reunite with a team that beat them on their own field the year before and beat them 6-1. to one. And that's, and that's that, the UCLA win was big, and then the road win, 6-1, to one, catapulted them up six spots to number one. Number one, and well-deserved. And, and so, as you mentioned, they play Utah Saturday night up at 7 o'clock Mountain, uh, Pac-12 Plus is the network that it's on. If you get that, good luck. Um, and the next home game, need to pack Southfield because that's the Big 12 opener when this uh, number one ranked soccer team takes on TCU. So that'll be a fun one. Yeah, yeah. You need and to that- show TCU what BYU soccer is all about. Because TCU's been, you know, the best team in the Big 12 for a while, and they get a nice crowd, but nothing like Southfield. They'll be in for a shock when they come out of the locker room and go, hey, wait a second, the football game's not tonight. Uh, and Southfield was sold out for UCLA, and they'll be sold out for TCU in the Big 12 home opener. Um, again, a shout-out to women's soccer. And um, more on that on BYU Sports Nation tomorrow. Historic. Never been number one. And you know, we keep talking about these women's sports teams. Before we even ushered in the Big 12 era here this fall, we said women's teams are ready to go. The women's teams are ready to go. So now let's move to women's volleyball. Hey, hang on a sec. The Coog dude. Yeah, you're going to tell this whole story? Yeah. <laughs> tell this whole story. <laughs> the Coog dude. Uh, hey, here from Modesto. Thanks for watching. Uh, got back from the first home game after my nephew dropped me off at midnight at the Provo airport with my phone battery dead, only to find out the door was locked until 4.30 a.m. <laughs> you should have, yeah, I say call us, but, can't call but anybody. you can't call anybody. Uh, I now know how many mosquitoes hang out in front of the Provo airport. Still worth it to go to the game. By the way, they're down there by the lake. That's where the mosquitoes hang out. Um, but, hey, we salute your courage. Yes. And... Um, 
and, and, and charge that, that phone. That airport is out there. Like, there's you're not uh, walking any place. You're just gonna hunker down and. Take, there's some big know. ones out there too. The good news is they didn't uh, pick you up and take you. Yep, you're you're lucky that you survived. So all right, volleyball. Okay, so women's volleyball, uh, new ranking, number eight in the country. So another top ten program. They beat LMU three to zero, McNeese three to zero, and UC Davis three to zero. They're not just winning; they're dominating. They're sweeping everybody. Um, they're they're uh, next off to the Washington State Cougar Challenge in Pullman, Washington. And so, uh, hey, women's volleyball doing what is expected of them, and they're a top ten program and one that compete that can compete for a Big Twelve championship here in year one. So they got Townsend Thursday and Irvine, so That's two right. matches, and then Friday night they play at number thirteen Washington State. So you got number eight at number thirteen, and if number eight beats number thirteen, they should move up, shouldn't they? They're going to move up. Yep. And so. Um, you know, Texas is just in front of them, uh, although Texas should be behind them because uh, they've already lost. But uh, Texas defending national champ picked to win the Big 12, and here comes BYU, and BYU is going to hop them in the polls yep. if they can sweep this week. Um, and then that big one, look, for, you know, you got to get through Towson, you got to get through Irvine, but Friday the big one is number 13 Washington State on their home floor. Um, yeah. You already beat fourth-ranked Pitt, right, over in Montana. And uh, and then it just gets. I know you go cross country. Friday is their uh, season opener in the Autumn Classic here in Provo. The BYU men are ranked third in the country, right? And the women are ranked number seven. Yeah, don't mess with BYU cross country. And we've, we've had so we have, thrown on here. We got we've number had... one soccer. We got number three men's cross country. We've got number seven women's cross country. We got number eight women's volleyball, and you got BYU football one and zero. Yeah, it's all good stuff. What if they never lost? What if no one ever lost? What what, what kind of fall? Well, we had a no-loss August. Yeah. Because I think we only played late one, August. one game, right? <laughs> <laughs> but a win's a win, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then you know what? Some really good news in men's basketball. Well, this we, is we, big. We, we talked about this right at the top of the show, teased it a little bit. Um, and Mark Pope and this BYU basketball team uh, received some big news and his staff. With the commitment of Kansas transfer Marcus Adams, we've been talking about. Man, they still have a couple of scholarships. They need they more. Need they need somebody. more length on this team. They just they don't have enough big dudes. This is a league with a lot of length and a lot of guys that can post you up and big guys that can go outside and shoot. Marcus Adams is a, is a a four star, six foot eight swing man. He signed with Kansas last spring after practicing with the Jayhawks. He went into the portal. Uh, two months after the portal closed, he signed with Gonzaga. After doing some rethinking, he decided he didn't want to be at Gonzaga. He went back into the portal. He visited BYU, and on Friday, he committed to BYU. This is a 6'8 guy that can run up and down the floor, knock down threes, handle the basketball, de- defend with length, all of those things. Man, it's nice to have another 6'8 guy that can yeah. shoot. And right? he was with the team. He was with the team at the game on Saturday. Uh, shout out to Mark Pope. He was out there giving high fives. And this is a high five moment. I had the whole team out there and a bunch of recruits, uh, I think up to 20 I read, um, were there at the game on Saturday. And um, they know what league they're in. They know what they got to have. They still have one scholarship to give out for this year. Um, and they, they've got, uh, they're, 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 they're trying to get a waiver from the NCAA. Uh, and the reason being is because Adams went back into the portal when the portal was closed. Right. And so they believe that he has a case that, that, that can win here and be eligible to play right uh, in the first game when we're calling it on BYU TV because it's an exhibition game. Right. 
Um, and so that's the drama. But coming out of high school, he was ranked the 49th best player in the country by 24-7 sports. VanquishTheFoe.com reported he had offers from Indiana, UCLA, Texas, Syracuse, Kansas, and a handful of others. And now he's at BYU. And he's got four years. Yeah, Adams told our friends Mitch Harper and, and um, Matt Baymont on Cougar Sports Saturday, here was his quote, Coach Pope said they like to run a lot and shoot threes. That's my style of game and what I love to do. <laughs> so run up and down the floor at six eight and shoot threes. Notice there was no defense in that yeah. in that line. It Nobody ever talks about man. I love gun. team. You know what I want? I want to go to a place where they just play lockdown D. Nobody says that. Maybe at San Diego State. Do you think they say that over there? It's like, look, you can shoot only after you play lockdown. Well, D. no, they don't. Players don't go there because of that. But <laughs> they, they just do, find they out do when they do play get lockdown D. No, you know what they say about San Diego State? We just like to go because they win a lot. And because Kawhi Leonard came from there. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's so we'll, we'll keep so you posted Mike, on the Michael waiver. Michael Zimmerman, I didn't know this. So see, we learned things from, from our, our chat. Michael Zimmerman says Marcus's brother is ranked higher than him. So we'll have to, we'll have to check on that. And this is getting Marcus to commit. Does that give BYU a better chance to get him? Well, it should. Yeah. You know, family. If, I'll tell you what. If Marcus has a tremendous experience and BYU wins a bunch of games, then I would think they have a shot, right? Well, what it does do... Looking to the future, you give Adams, you bolster the lineup with the return of Colin Chandler next year and the addition of Isaac Davis, who he'll be young. Right. Uh, both those guys will be, everyone will be young. But um, that's a rush of talent that that you know that the staff has been wringing their hands over going, got to get that. And right. um, uh, and, they've, and, then, and getting Marcus Adams... They did get that, and I uh, sent a congratulations text to the staff, and that's a job well done. you got to get guys like this, and, and I'm sure NIL was in play because it is everywhere. Um, this is the one that they needed at 6'8", who could have been in other places that chose BYU. Right. Um, and, uh, and he's coming to shoot threes and run the floor. We, we've already heard that. Um, that's huge. That's huge for those guys. Yeah, and as you mentioned, we want to mention this again. If people didn't didn't hear that, that first exhibition game is Wednesday, November 1st. That's against Life Pacific. I don't know who Life Pacific is, but by the time they play them, you and I all know who exactly yes, they are, and we'll know everything about their guys. Seven Mountain on BYU TV. Um, that's Dave and I and Spencer will be calling that game. Season opener is Monday, November 6th against Houston Christian before the Cougars host San Diego State. On November tenth, they keep Speaking that lockdown defenders. Alive. Yeah, that'll, that'll be, be fun. We always love seeing Dutch and those guys. They're they're hosting San Diego State, so we'll get a chance to see Dutch and Matt Soria and that whole staff. What a great great group of guys! And hey, congratulations to them for playing the national championship game this yeah. last week. And first game out of the gate, yeah, in Provo at the Marriott Center. That place stuff. will be rocking. Les is in with us before the end. Thanks, Les. Shout out to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, before we get to Cougars in the NFL. Uh, John Crowder has another question. Um, uh, do you guys say anything yet about whether or not Chaz Ayu made it onto the field last Saturday? He was uh, he was dressed, um, but I didn't remember seeing him play. They're pretty deep at linebacker, and as David Nixon pointed out earlier, Ben Bywater, Max Tooley, and uh, AJ Vongpachong played the whole game. Yeah, give or take a play or two. You, we you, saw Glasker in there a little were, bit. You would hope in a game like that that BYU would get a thirty-five point lead and everybody would get a play. But they're not doing that, uh, um, you know, wave of, hey, a whole other set of linebackers and D linemen are going in. That's not Jay's thing, and it's not Kalani's thing. And uh, these guys are going to play most of the game when it's a 14-0 game. 
So it's a very exciting week for a variety of reasons, including, and it's just been one thing after the other. Uh, the NFL is back on Thursday night. Right. The Lions at the Chiefs on NBC. And what's significant about that is our friend Andy Reid, the head coach of the Chiefs, can tie Tom Landry, the legendary coach of the Cowboys, at number four all-time in victories at 270 if his Chiefs can beat the Lions on Thursday night. How about that? It's amazing. You and I were talking about this when we had Steve Young on with us last week. We were saying, who are the most visible former Cougar athletes in all of sports? And, and we determined that they're both football guys. It's Steve Young, who's a Hall of Famer, and it's Andy Reid, who's a Hall of Fame coach. And then close third, and, Danny, Danny H. Danny H. Yeah. in basketball. Those are the big three. If we're going to put a Mount Rushmore up of the, the guys have that to have be the up. most success, it'd have to be those three guys, wouldn't it? Yeah, so cheer for Andy Reid. I don't care if you cheer for the Chiefs or not. You might not like the I Chiefs, mean, could, but cheer we, for Andy Reid to make history. You could say Johnny Miller yeah. in golf, right? Yeah. We could put him, because there's four guys on the Mount Right, Rushmore. and, and uh, Ed Eyestone. Yeah, and Henry Marsh was Henry world Marsh. champion and the best in the world at what he did. Yeah, we have, might have to put seven put or eight Marsh people on it. But the most Tina visible. Gunn, well, yeah, but the, most visible. The most of the, 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 the outside of here, right. the people who go, these are BYU guys. Steve Young and Andy Reid and, and Danny Ainge, in my opinion. Absolutely. And Jimmer, Jimmer once yeah, Jimmer forget, wins a gold medal, he's charging up he that wins, way. He wins gold in three and, on three. And you so. might have to throw Taysom Hill up there. Yeah, everybody knows Taysom now, too. So, so, hey, let's let's go on with the NFL. It's Thursday night. We're watching for Andy to, to, to tie for number four all-time in victories with Tom Landry. And then you know what that means. The next Sunday, he'll break it. Yeah. He only needs two to move past him. So Sunday, Bengals at the Browns. Sione Takitaki still with the Browns. Bucks at Vikings. Jaron Hall and Kyrus Tonga. We're going to see Tonga. We're not going to see Jaron. Yeah, Jaron will be a backup at this point. Titans at Saints. Uh, Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams. We'll see them both, right? Yeah. yeah and we're going to see them at the five-yard line. Especially a bunch of Jamal because, uh, um, as uh, Nixon mentioned, Kamara's out. Yeah, out for three weeks. So once they get inside the five and Taysom and Jamal go in there, I've got to decide if I'm going to start Jamal uh, on my fantasy team. That's right. Uh, Brady Christensen with the Panthers. Uh, they're in Atlanta to take on the Falcons and Tyler Algier. I am so curious to see. How are they going to use Tyler? What they do with Tyler, who had 1,000 yards last year as a rookie, and then they turn around and they draft another first-round draft pick running back from Texas who's supposed to be good, and then they got, I think, Patterson still on the team, so they got the three. Yeah, what are they going to do? They didn't need the Texas running back. They needed another lineman. But in true Falcons fashion, they went and got another running back. Yeah. So I don't know what that means for Tyler. It seems strange. But you well got everything said. you could have hoped for out of your pick, and then you turn around and pick another one. Well said in true Falcons fashion. So we'll see what they do with Tyler Algier. You know what? If they don't utilize him, he'll be a hot commodity next year because lots of folks want a 1,000-yard rusher. So um, the Jags and the Colts, Blake Freeland uh, made it with the Colts. And the Niners, the best linebacker in professional football with Fred Warner at the Steelers this Sunday. Dax Milne and the Commanders host the Cardinals. Shout out to Dax for finding another way uh, to be on the roster for another year. Backup punt returner, backup receiver, getting paid. Yeah, and he's he's like now he's an established player, so pretty awesome. The Dolphins, Chris Brooks, I 
We were surprised that, that Chris made the 53-man roster, but talented and very excited for Chris Brooks, who made the Dolphins. They're at the Chargers. Michael Davis, an established star, starting corner uh, for the last several years for the Chargers, one of the best cover corners in football. Puka Nakua was at the game on Saturday. The fans gave him a roar as they showed him on the big screen. The Rams are at the Seahawks. Interesting game for Puka because Cooper Cup's still hurt. Right. And, and there's... I can't imagine a scenario where he plays. And now you're not the three guy. You're in the rotation. You're the two guy. Yeah, you're in the rotation. And you're going to get the football. Yeah, and Puka, a lot of comparisons to Cooper Cup. So, I mean, that's a big comparison. But they love his competitiveness and the way he just goes and high points the ball and takes it away. So there are some comparisons there. They love Puka Nakua at the Rams. And his first game's up there in Seattle where he started his college career at Washington. And now he's starting his NFL career up there in that same yeah, place. I think Puka's going to be a really good a really good pro. And then on Monday night, it's the Bills at the Jets. Of course, Zach Wilson with the Jets. We're going to see Aaron Rodgers, right? But, How about uh, that? you got Aaron Rodgers, and then they got the Bills quarterback. you got two of the, yeah. two of the most hyped quarterbacks. Josh Allen with the Bills, of yeah, course. Who's and, just, and that's a game you want to watch. Yeah. Are the Jets for real? They got a defense. They got running backs. They got can they, they protect they Aaron Rodgers? Rodgers? You're running around like a crazy man, like Zach was. And have the Bills figured out how to get over the top? Yep, we'll see. Um, Josh yeah. Allen's one of my favorite players in the league. So I just love. Although, I, have you watched that new quarterback? That Netflix quarterback? No, but thing? I need to. I've heard, I've heard it's it, great. Anybody that's watched that, if Kirk Cousins isn't your favorite quarterback in the league, you're not, you haven't watched it. I finally saw. Speaking of quarterbacks, I finally saw uh, Kurt Warner, the Kurt Warner movie. Yes. Oh, good. yes. That's one of. I watched it on an airplane for about the third time. I love that show. Yeah, that was that was well done. Crazy story. So, yeah. all right. So it's an awesome week. We got college football. We got NFL football. All fantasy football teams are in action. You got your draft done. We yep. did ours. Yep. We're ready to go. Here's I don't, a, I don't know about, about my team. Here's the sad part about me. Like I don't. I do this fantasy draft, and like right now, I can't remember anybody on my team. I no, I know I have Nick Chubb because he killed it for me last just year. Just get your lineup in before the. You deadline. know that I'm the defending champ in my league. Yeah, but that's because I had Nick Chubb and Christian McCaffrey at my running back spots. I took Eckler. I took Eckler with the fourth overall pick. Uh, it's a gamble, but I got Hurts. Yeah. Yeah, I you, did you, like yeah, that. Got, yeah, that's a big. I did one. like him. Yep. So, uh, and uh, by the way, I got C.D. Lamb, so I was happy about that. Gosh, so I, those guys, and then I got the tight end for the Niners. If he's healthy, he's really good. Kittle. Oh yeah, I got you, the Niners well, defense. Did I hear Kittle's out, or what did I hear? It's questionable. It's questionable. Okay. There's still, you know, who's out is um, Kelsey. Yeah, Travis Kelsey's out. Yeah, hurt his knee, which is too history. bad because he's something. So, uh, uh, and then I got um, uh, the Bengals kicker. I think I, I'm not sure who I got for a kicker. So, so here, here's my here's my guys. You get you just have to tell me if I'm if I'm any good. My quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. Is that crazy? Uh, maybe not. So I got him. So I got Nick Chubb, and then I got I got Robinson um, as my starting running backs. Robinson, the the rookie from Minnesota. Oh, from Minnesota. Yeah. Or Madison. Did you say Robinson? No, I have Robinson. Okay. I can't even see this without my glasses on. <laughs> um, and then I have Adams at wide receiver. Oh yeah, I'm starting Jamal. Yep, and I've got Hopkins at wide receiver. So I got two. I have two yeah. really good, good wide receivers. I got Bass kicking. And, that and guess too. who I have as my flex this year? Drake London. Oh yeah, he could USC be good. USC guy. Yeah, could be good. I'm excited about. I'm running him. Jamal in my flex. This Who's weekend. your defense? Uh, 49ers. Uh, I, I would have loved to have the 49ers. Uh, they were not available, so I took Green Bay. Okay. So they're not bad. Yeah. Uh, my kicker's Hopkins. 
Michael Zimmerman doesn't do fantasy. Yep. Uh, we we have our own family leagues. Yeah. So I'm in there with all my kids and everybody. And um, let me tell you, no one takes more heat than me throughout the season. Yeah. And no one causes more heat than me during the season because I'm the chairman of the victory committee, and that doesn't sit well with. I haven't really won it for three years, yeah. but I, but I, but I. That's, so that's ours that's is just is. a big extended family fantasy one that we do together. So it's fun. It makes football fun. Yep. On this day. On September 5th, some cool things, uh, interesting things that uh, that have happened on this day. Uh, and by the way, we got Caleb Chapman's uh, Rise and Shout on the saxophone coming up. That's how we're going to roll out. That's how we roll out on wins. Yep, on, on wins. wins. Always got to do Rise and Shout. So uh, uh, 1698, what happened yeah. in 1698? I don't know if uh, the world's ever been the same. Russian Tsar Peter the Great imposes a tax on beards. Yeah. And I thought, well, and so I looked up a picture, and you know what he has? Mustache. Just a stash. That's it. He's not into beards and he imposed a tax on beards. So, and by the way, our, our wise, we put, we put up the post, the link between the awesome exchange between Steve Young and Vysick Hammond. Yeah, if you didn't that see that from our live stream last week, um, uh, Jack just put that, put that up there. That. It was a battle of who made who it, rich. It was so <laughs> funny. Steve was just laughing hysterically. That's a great and shot in the of end, Steve. In the end, we all agreed. That Vaisikahema did make Steve Young a rich man. Yes, he did. If it and wasn't I, for Vai, Steve, Steve, Steve ends up laboring his entire career uh, in Tampa Bay where they were awful. Back look at in this days. shot. This is why you watch this. Uh, Vi's laughing, you're laughing, I'm laughing, and look at Steve. Steve's How can you dying. not want to know what's, being, yeah, what's yeah. going so on? So anyhow, make sure, you, make sure you click on the link if you didn't see that last week because it was hilarious. So, Okay, 1774. First Continental Congress convenes in Philadelphia. The delegates from 12 of 13 British colonies, which later become the United States. On this day. Yep. Also on this day in 1793, the French Revolution begins. Wow. There you go. Wait, French Revolution, isn't that uh, Les Mis? Les Mis is based around that time, right? The French Revolution. So I know you love your musicals. 1836. Sam Houston is elected president of the Republic of Texas. We thought it appropriate because BYU played... Uh, Sam Houston this last So that's week? where the Sam Houston thing comes. Yep. Right there. Republic of Texas, 1836. 1885 on this day, the first gasoline pump is delivered to a gasoline dealer in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I was at the pump yesterday paying $4 and what, 20-something cents a Crazy. gallon? Crazy. Outrageous. How about in 1906, St. Louis quarterback Bradbury Robinson throws the first legal forward pass in the history of American football. Versus Carroll College. Carroll College wasn't ready for that. No, they were not. No, how, how did they even think of it? And then Lavelle Edwards wasn't even born for 24 years after that. And Lavelle, you know, widely recognized as the as the innovator in the passing game in college uh, football, brought the West Coast offense to college football, and eventually that made its way into the pros. On this day in 1966, Jerry Lewis starts the muscular dystrophy Labor Day Telethon. You know how many times I watched that? Yeah. Jerry Lewis grew up with that. You know, it, they would just say to him, "Hey, Jerry, just go nuts for a minute," and he'd just run all around the stage and go crazy. He was one of the funniest men ever alive, and did so much good on that Labor Day telethon for muscular dystrophy. 1976, the Muppets premiere on television. Where would we be without the Muppets? Kermit the Frog here. Where would we be with those two old guys up in the balcony? I remember Kermit the Frog doing the news. He used to say, "Oh, now." Uh, pause for a minute for... What was uh, the song? Uh, Sesame, Rain, Sesame Street, Rain. Rainbow Connection. Yeah, we all sang that one. Sesame Street News. Uh, first, some scores. Five to three, two to eight, <laughs> six to four, and a partial score, seven. I'm like, what? 
That's Kermit just classic. We love the Muppets. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And that, you know, whenever that comes on on the old radio stations, you have to listen. It's awesome. You just have to stay there. 1991 on this day, Nelson Mandela becomes president of the African National Congress in South Africa. 1995, Cal Ripken Jr. ties Lou Gehrig's record of playing in 2,130 straight games. He was Iron Man before Tony Stark was Iron Man, Yeah, right? Ripken set the new record the following game. That's when he became, you know, he was famous already. But today, today the Players Union, I don't think, would even let someone play that many consecutive no, games. I don't think they would. So. Birthdays on September 5th, 1929, the comedian Bob Newhart. Yep, 1940, Raquel Welsh. I loved her, her uh, appearance in Seinfeld. Is Raquel Welsh one of the most beautiful women in the history of the world? Right she there. really is, huh? 1946 on this day, Freddie Mercury from Queen. Yep, Freddie Mercury. 1951, Michael Keaton, Batman, Beetlejuice, Mr. Mom. Which of those three do you think made his made his career? Uh, he was. I loved Mr. Mom. Yeah, but, that but, was but, a really good one. And he was great in Batman. I, but Mr. Mom is one of my favorite shows of his. Beetlejuice was one of his most popular. My is, was it called Multiplicity when he plays the three different. I don't know about that one. Yeah, that's a funny one. But too. Batman was—he was the Batman when it was a kind of a comedy with yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, and all that. My yep. dad loved that. Hey, movie. everybody, September. You know, it's, I know it's—I know it's only the fifth, but let's not forget it's Brenda's birthday on the fourteenth. Nobody forget that—that that it's my wife Brenda's birthday. Yeah, especially you. We'll remind you next 14th. week. Will you guys all remind me next week that it's Brenda's birthday, so I don't forget. Deaths on this day, September fifth, eighteen seventy-seven. Crazy Horse. Yeah, that's 18 Crazy Horse was it was it in a war? I don't know if he was in a war or not, but his, this is when he died. 1997, Mother Teresa. Oh. So much good in the world. And that takes us to our wise guys inspirational quote of the week from Mother Teresa. Yeah, it's simple but but powerful. Peace begins with a smile. As her as her statement. Peace begins with a smile. Think about it. Think about it. You're in some trouble with your parents. Uh, they come walking in the room. They're not smiling. You know there's no peace. Yes. You walk in, they walk in the room, they are smiling. You know they don't know about it. That's exactly <laughs> that's right. That's, that, exactly. that's pretty much how that goes. And you get peace in your heart, right? <laughs> so, Hey, a shout out to David Nixon for joining us tonight as we break down game one with Sam Houston and, uh, and previewed Saturday's game against Southern Utah. Before we say so long... Uh, DJ has it ready as we bring back the wise guys tradition. Remember Caleb Chapman and the sound house was in here last mm -hmm. year and he brought his saxophone and he played the national anthem on the saxophone, but which by the way is no easy thing to do. No, it is not. And let's, uh, let's listen as we celebrate BYU's one and zero start here on the wise guys. There we go. 
the pizzazz he put at the end of that. It's just like it's the hippest version <laughs> ever of uh, of the Cougar Fight song. Love thanks, it. Thanks, thanks to Caleb, Caleb. Chapman. Thank, thanks to Dave Nixon. Hey, next week, John Beck and Dave Rose. Awesome. It's going to be a great show. Tell your friends about us. The podcast will be up tomorrow. Share it with everybody. Please go to YouTube. We're trying to get over 2,000 just because we can. Uh, the subscription's free. Just uh, subscribe. Same thing at Facebook and Twitch and YSGuys.com. Uh, you can hit the button at YSGuys.com. It'll send you our weekly newsletter, which has clips from the show. And we had a fun show tonight. We yeah. always have a good time. We're now surrounded, you realize. We're surrounded by football. Yes, we are. And, and amidst the, the surrounding, the soccer team's number one in the country. Volleyball's number eight. Men's cross country's number three. Women's cross country's number seven. The Cougars are 1-0 and in football. It's a pretty you know good what? time there's of year. There's a lot of peace in our lives right now because there's a lot of smiles on our faces as we think about that. Thank you, Mother Teresa and, and everyone who's getting it done. We'll see you next week. See ya.